It's no fun to be miscast. The times I've done parts that I don't feel, in retrospect, I was great for. It's a very bad feeling. Matthew Broderick. Ladies and gentlemen, and variations thereupon, this is Modern Escapism. Greetings and salutations. My name is Stig. Whoa, 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 whoa. Fuck off, fuck off. Greetings and salutations. <laughs> My name is Oodles and this is Modern Escapism. And today I am joined by... <laughs> <laughs> it went a lot better happening? in my head. I've been miscast. <laughs> you have been miscast. Uh, today we are joined by our editor and ear for sound of the show. It's Stig. Oh yeah, I'm the editor now. But the only social for media liaison, gadget. I am the captain now. <laughs> a large, bald, white man with more raw sex appeal than Casanova. It's Candy Machine. <laughs> Hello. And finally, the token it. female component to any podcast. It's Biggie. Hey. <laughs> See what I did there. I do indeed. Although I did, ha- I did have to put in that little only on the specials in there just in case Gadget was like, "Fine, you can be editor if you want." <laughs> yeah, like, oh shit! Yeah, I can, I can have my Mondays back. <laughs> so, before w- without further ado, we're going to talk to you about a little thing called Patreon. Uh, yeah, so if you head on over to patreon.com forward slash modern escapism, you will see uh, the excellent tiers that we are putting out for you and what you can get. On there we have Modern Escapees, that's £5 a month. With that you get a extended version of this episode every week, as well as at least one special a month. But right now you are getting specials galore, as we are currently doing our Loki spoiler cast specials. And soon to come is Too Faff, Too Furious, yeah. where Gadget and Biggie will be watching the Fast and Furious saga for the first time and discussing it and I am very much looking forward to hearing that. It's all about family. Oh, life, life is just regret right now. <laughs> I genuinely think... I don't even start watching them. A, a few of them, you're going to love them. Yeah, some of them are, a few really, of them. Some of them are really Out good. Of the ten. Some of them are shit. And then mm-hmm. some are middle of the ground, so... <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can also, um, if you are just into your Dungeons & Dragons, we do a Dungeons & Dragons player podcast. It's called Do Dragons Dream of Scott Sheep? And that is £5 a month, and you will get an ad-free version of that. You'll get early access to Do Dragons Dream of Scott Sheep, access to battle maps, artwork, and any original music we create, and you can suggest NPC names and items for Gadget to throw at the rest of us. And you will throw them. Yes. Literally. Actually, <laughs> throw. <laughs> and if you're feeling very generous and flush, £7.50 is the biggie bundle, and that gets you both Modern Escapees and Scott Sheep. Excellent. Thank you very much. Beautifully. Beautiful beautiful intro. Beautiful patron segment. Thank you very much, Steve. For our beautiful listeners. Absolutely. So, Gadget, what have you been up to this week? Well, it's been a TV-heavy week, actually, Same. surprisingly enough. Although, I will say, I will say today, um, Monster Hunter Stories 2 turned up the actual full version of the game, and I'm very much enjoying that. Yes. It's incredible. Um, but I, I am literally about two hours beyond where the demo ends, so I'm not going to... I'll talk about that when I've 
gotten a decent amount is it like properly into it another 100 uh, hours i watch yeah <laughs> literally 25 minutes ago at the time of recording i finished watching one division all the way yes, through binged it in two, uh, three evenings my fucking god how Brilliant, good is that it? yeah i'm not going to talk about it because you know spoilers for certain parts of the listeners and we've already talked about it before but oh my fucking god that was good welcome to the party bird I loved it. Yeah, it's literally one of the cleverest, most inventive TV shows I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like, how it is completely separate to the MCU, how it connects to the MCU, all the little Easter eggs, like, whether they're Marvel-related or not. Like, um, like I, in one of the episodes, she's walking past the cinema and you see Tannhauser Gate written across the, the, the uh, cinema. And I saw that one, ah, Blade Runner. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But, yo, know, it's just such an early show. And I, I'll... It's not a spoiler to say, but I think Catherine Hahn steals the whole show. Yeah. She does in everything she's, she's in. I mean, I know that, great. but my God. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it just like also just proves how good uh, good actors uh, Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen are. Just yeah. the fact that they can ape so many different t- styles of TV actor all the way through. Um, and also, while I'm freewheeling on this, the production design, mm. so good. It's impeccable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I'd- you haven't watched it, don't be a dickhead like me. Watch it. <laughs> <laughs> what I'll just I say quickly on um, Bettany and Olsen is it turned to, they made me care about two characters I really wasn't that bothered about. Yeah, no, I I, yeah. I agree with that because like like Wonder Wonder especially had been kind of underused in the MCU up to that point. She had no choice; they had contractual agreements. <laughs> yeah, I know that. Yeah, but she'd been underused, and it's like it, you got to see a lot of her. And Vision, I mean, Vision was just kind of. Because of the nature of his character, I guess he was just kind of a bit bland throughout a lot of he the He was MCU only overpowered for half an hour in his run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, I'm not going to go too far into that, but yeah, fucking watch it. It's great. And so I'll be starting Loki next week. Yes. Yeah, good uh, yes, good, good plan. Cause There's the, a great the one in podcast between, you can listen to after each episode. There is. So yeah. I've heard. <laughs> yeah, the one in between um, Winter Soldier, um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, it's not linked to anything. It's its own thing. So, I was yeah. going to say that's that, that, that yeah that's more just like general MC Avengers stuff rather it's than a bit, MCU, it's a bit it's a bit phase one-y if I would right. put it anywhere it's it's good okay well it's really good but okay yeah well I'll go straight into Loki then yeah uh, but the, the the main thing I wanted to talk about was um, the new Resident Evil anime Infinite <laughs> Darkness uh oh <laughs> guess what we've got a clash as well <laughs> oh dear um, well yeah. Um, Wow, that was certainly something. Yep. Um, I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing. Actually, no, it was a bad thing. Um, <laughs> so, for the, for those uninitiated, the Resident Evil franchise has had two kind of cinema spin-offs, which is uh, the one is the Paul W S Anderson films, which we've yeah. ranted about frequently, which are so loosely connected to it, they're in it, they're not even connected to it. Um, but they also had the Japanese anime films, which are very connected to the main plot line and all the lore. Um, there's been three of them at this point, Damnation, Vendetta... De- Degeneration. And Degeneration, that was it. Degeneration! And, yeah, they... <laughs> nice. Um, they kind of... They're more spectacle movies, not really that They're just long CGI like films, aren't they? Yeah, so... It was announced a couple of years ago that they were doing an anime series for Netflix, and they've basically done what they did with Castlevania, where they've taken they've done a movie and split it into four parts, about twenty five minutes long. Uh, this one follows Leon Kennedy and Claire Redfield as they in the year two thousand six. So it's between four and five, isn't it? Yeah, it's just after five four. Is so it's, it's the year after yeah. four, 
So the president is still in office from yes. four. And yeah, not long after four. Yeah, not long after four. He still has this one of the uh, jackets that he wears in there. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, things happen. And it's quite indescribable because the <laughs> yeah, thing is, is, the story makes no fucking sense whatsoever. No. And not in the normal Resident Evil doesn't make any sense. Where, as I say, it's just badly written. This It involves... Okay, so there's two sides to the story, as there always are when Leon Kennedy and um, uh, Claire Redfield are put together. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, they don't use Claire Redfield. She is she is knocked down to the role of annoying woman. That's literally her only role in this film. I love Claire. Claire's one of the best. Yeah. No, the th- yeah, that's the thing. Claire is really good in the games yeah. and in the various kind of other things that, she, um, that they put out with her in. She's not good in this, and they underuse her. They give her the character design from uh, Revelations 2, which yep. I like. That was a nice nod. Yep. Voice actor from Remake, for, uh, Resident Evil 2 Remake. Um, they do fuck all with her until the point where she can get kidnapped, and then she's in a little bit of peril, which she gets herself out of, and then she does fuck all after that. <laughs> um, yeah. Most of the story follows Leon and these these soldiers. There's a, it's not Umbrella anymore. It's going to Tricell, which is the Resident Evil Five Evil Corporation. It's globe hopping, but in a really stupid way because there's no context to them. Actually, like you, you see them kind of have a bit of dialogue, and then all of a sudden they're in China, for instance. Yep. Nothing to say they're going to travel there. No orders to say go here, go to this place. No, they just appear in China, or. Coming towards the end of it, they get back from China to find the secret, you know, underground base, which is a Resident Evil staple. Nothing to say how they get into it. They just walk, wander in the door. That's how I get into um, bases. Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> Sounds like uh, Godzilla versus Kong, where they get it's, got into it. It's got a lot of that. When they um, just turned up at a base. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The one thing that I'll take, I'll take away from this film, um, before I get into the major complaints about it, is it's very aimed at China. Like the Chinese audience, yeah, including there a new a character lo- called Shen Mei. Yeah, <laughs> there is there is a lot of casting the Americans as the baddies. Mm. Yep, Le- um, which is quite unusual for a Resident Evil game, uh, for a Resident Evil property rather. Um, they don't do that a lot, so this was definitely like I'm watching, thinking, yeah, this is aimed at the Asian market rather than the, like the European or the American market. The Americans are baddies. Well, <laughs> you don't get into politics here. <laughs> Um, it's about time, though, because normally it's the bloody Brits that are the bloody... Yeah, to be fair, we normally get to. She is usually also the bad guys. Um, the animation varies from really fucking good to photorealistic to 2002 video game. Yeah, there's so some moments where it's like, oh my God, there's like ray tracing on this. And then there's some moments yeah. like, oh, Dreamcast. There are, there, there are, there are sequences like, like, for instance, that there's a sequence early on where Claire's watching the news. Yeah. Um, and there's kind of two people talking back on each other. They look like PS2 MPC models. Ooh. Like they, they're that low detail when she's really high detail watching it. Um, I, I caught one scene. Uh, you, you know when, when, they, when they're in China and they go into the apartment building? Yeah. When they walk across the landing, you can see they're not actually touching the floor. They're oh, yeah, yeah. kind of floating about two inches above <laughs> the floor. They did, it was the same in, in the White House scene on the first episode. Um, yeah. Leon and uh, Jason, the new guy. Uh, they Jason. were just, they were just hovering over the uh, the marble. Mm, so. Yeah, lots of stuff like that. Um, and only certain characters are lip synced. Well, that's the thing. It's dodgy lip sync because the character the characters are motion captured. Which fu- sometimes you'll see some of the, there's a moment with Shen Walker and you think she's not motion captured. She's just she's yeah. rigged like a PS2 model, just kind of walking yeah. dodgy. 
But yeah, the the, the the facial capture, some of it syncs to the English, some of it doesn't. It's like they've like done a it's half weird. job dubbing it. Mm. Um, it's not good. Don't watch it. Really don't no, watch it. <laughs> and the thing that like, I like the, the other animated films like Vendetta and stuff like that. Like Vendetta yeah, was terrible, but it was amazing because it was so over the top. Um, like there's a whole sequence in Vendetta with um, with Chris and Leon doing um, <laughs> gun fu in a corridor <laughs> with <laughs> infinite ammo guns and infinite amounts of enemies coming at them. It's so stupid. This doesn't have any of that stupid spectacle. Um, the closest it gets is in the second episode, and I'm going to warn you, Stig, you shouldn't watch it because it's a thing with mutant rats. Yeah, zombie rats. Of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Like Even like, kind of the big monster thing is disappointing. It is. Um, so yeah, don't watch it because it kind of... It also, it, Leon does loads of stuff that's outside of his character. Basically, it makes Leon into a dickhead and treats Claire as an accessory. So oh, what about the, like bit, the, evil, the moment where Leon's chatting Shen up? Like, that's not Leon. I almost thought you, were, where, I thought you were gay, me. Well, what about the moment where Leon's chatting up fucking Claire? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I, he does I, that I, as well. Like I'm saying, it's all this stuff out of his character. I never thought saw like, him as a sexual person. I just never thought you were interested. <laughs> <laughs> it's a floppy hair boy band type. Yeah. Um, does he still have his beautiful floppy hair though? Oh yeah, he does. How he does have his beautiful floppy hair? It's and it's the Resident Evil Four beautiful floppy. Based hair. on I an mean, imminent toast. Mm. Yes, but um, yeah, don't, don't don't watch it. It's like an hour. It's like two hours of your life. You won't get back. It's not Shy. good in the slightest. Um, so you said the animation's really patchy. Is it deliberately a different style every episode, no. or is it just inconsistent? No, it's just it's just inconsistent. Like it's inconsistent between scenes, not between episodes. Right. <laughs> um, and it's it's going for hyper realism. Like there are some moments that there's loads. Of, there's quite a few moments where you get like close ups on Leon thinking, and it looks photorealistic. Yeah. Like you got all the paws in his face, you've got like kind of the stubble growing in because he's not shaved for a couple of days. That stuff is really good, but then it's when you get kind of wider shots and the characters are kind of gliding across the floor, or like their eyes don't focus on objects properly, or they're looking in weird directions. Like there's um, there's a moment near the end where like kind of Leon's waving off the president. The president's going up into Air Force One, and like Leon's waving him off from the tarmac, and the president waves looking up. <laughs> like yeah, it's not so even weird. like consistent in the direction that he's looking. So. Yeah, just don't. Really don't. Excellent. So I'm going to take take over on this because I also watched Res- <laughs> Resident Evil uh, Infinite Darkness and I agree with you. I'm glad. I thought I was the <laughs> only person because it's only just come out, hasn't it? But it's and, been getting rave reviews. Like I watched yeah, it because I, rock, I saw Rock Paper Shotgun tweeting about it saying, oh my God, this is the most amazing thing ever. I was yeah. like, oh, so I've actually done something good for I once. I thought I was going like, to come no. out here to be the outliar, but no, thankfully. <laughs> It's just the, the the only bit I really liked was episode two on the submarine. That's the only yeah, bit, listen, and that's when the, the yeah. least amount of dialogue in that episode. And it's just Leon doing his own Leon thing on his own. That's what I yeah, prefer, just, Leon. Yeah, just sitting smouldering in the corner, not yeah, doing much. Gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did like Jason as a new character. Um, Shen Mei was seemed to be a bit of a. Just to, I think I, th- I think what this needed this needed either cutting two characters out or adding two episodes. Yes, I, that's what I thought. Yeah, it's somehow too much for what it is and not enough. Yeah, I, I like that it's a direct sequel from Four, and you see pictures of Ashley Graham and stuff. Yeah, oh yeah, that's the only link to you've it. Played the games, <laughs> that kind of thing. But uh, it's got designated survivor vibes to it, and I really like that show, but only in the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's really. It's not good. But the main thing I want to talk about, it's a game that's been out since 2013, but I've only just started playing it. 
It's called Evoland. Um, I don't know if you've ever oh. played it. Um, I, I have it. I don't think I've it's by it. Shiro Games, a French uh, company. Um, basically, it's a homage to um, 16-bit, 8-bit, um, 32-bit um, RPGs, action RPGs, JRPGs, all, all that. It starts basically like... Um, the best way to explain because this I got I've got this on the Switch and it's got Evil Land One, Evil Land Two. I've started on Evil Land One, obviously. I'm still halfway through it. Uh, you start off, um, you can't even go up and down. Um, it's all uh, Game Boy, the original Game Boy graphics. Uh, all you can do is go right. So you go right, you open a chest. Hey, you've unlocked left. You can go left. Then after you've unlocked left, it says, oh, you you, you can now go up and down. Then you've unlocked those, and basically you open your treasure chest. And you're basically turning this little game into a fully-fledged, like, PlayStation-era RPG as you're playing it. So, like, you go for the first five minutes, there's no music, you unlock a treasure chest, there's music, <laughs> then you unlock, <laughs> you unlock uh, your hearts, you know, like on Zelda, then you unlock yeah. the sword so you can cut grass like on Zelda, and, and that's basically the progression of the game, you unlock new things in treasure chests it sounds stupid but it really works because a lot of it's quite puzzly um eventually you get outside of the dungeon you unlock a world map then you unlock mode seven <laughs> from the snes so it's like <laughs> it goes on that weird quasi 3d angle then you unlock random battles like final fantasy then you unlock a town you unlock npcs you do you know what i mean as 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 you know action rpgs and adventure games and strategy Japanese RPGs it, you're unlocking it as you go along and I think it's really fucking clever like, you can tell that EA didn't make it because you'd have to pay for every step to be unlocked <laughs> 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 like, like I'm, I'm going at a pace I, I only think it's like a five hour long game it's just constantly constantly going like at one point you unlock um, experience points like when you're in, in, in the very very few random battles that you get in then you unlock a big boss and and then that just changes to another type of, of gaming, like um, gaming genre. Then it'll turn into like a two D side scrolling thing, or then it'll turn into a um, like a card collecting game. It just keeps changing genre, genre as you're unlocking new things and new things and new things. And then eventually, it just it's it's just really good. Now I'm at the point where I'm I'm in like a link between no like. Um, Ocarina of Time style dungeons and stuff like that, and it's just it's just really fucking clever. <clears throat> and I I got this because I saw it really cheap on the Switch, like like eleven pound for both games. It's from like enhanced edition. So I'm I'm hoping once I've done the first game, the second game does a similar thing, and just keeps progressing and progressing and progressing. But it's really have you not even heard of it? You not even seen any screenshots right. or anything? No, yeah, sounds interesting. It what is it really interesting. Sorry. sorry? What, what uh, did it come out on? It came out on phones originally. Okay, but uh, uh, not not a free to play game. It's a game that you paid for. Um, Windows, uh, Android, iOS, and then it just now it's on uh, PlayStation Four, Switch, Xbox, everything basically. It's on everything. No, I never it's, heard of it. <clears throat> it's just really fucking clever. And to say how old it is, obviously the graphically it doesn't it doesn't have to be amazing. Because it's just a, but it gets to like the thirty-two bit. And, oh, I, I've just recently unlocked an FMV, <laughs> which is good. And what else would it? Uh, cell shading. I unlocked cell shading and pixels at one point as well. It's just really fucking clever. Like you keep backtracking on places that you started off, but because you've unlocked so much more, like 
graph graphics and assets and stuff like that, the baddies start getting harder because you, you, you actually unlock boxes and it says, now the enemies can fire projectiles. And like, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> I've only beefed them up. It's just, it's just really good. It's like, because like I say, it's got JRPG battles, but you're not designed to be in them battles for long. It's just to remind well, you. Stiggy will be up for it. No, it's just to remind you of that style. Like, you can't, I don't think you can die in this game. <laughs> I've not died in it. And like, it's not like you have to go to the shop and buy loads of health potions and stuff like that. I just keep, you keep bashing uh, A button and you just get through them. And, and then the, the main, like where, where I've got to now, I'm, I'm unlocking a lot less and it just seems to have stuck to that Zelda formula where you're in a dungeon, you're, there's fireballs, you're finding a key, then you're finding a boss arena key and you're fighting a Zelda-style boss. So the turn-based thing, I think it was just showing you that that was a part of time. But yeah, I just, I just really like it. It's really cheap, 11 quid you know, on, on Switch. I don't know where it is. It's probably even cheaper on Steam. It's probably a quid. But you get both games and I just can't wait to finish the first one and get into the second one. It's just, I'm sorry I'm late to the party. People that are listening to this have probably already played it, but I really like it. And it's got like a triple triad game in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So it's basically so, basically a game made for you. It is, but it's, if I were to pin it down on a one format, it's a Zelda game. It, that's their massive, that's their biggest inspiration. I'm mainly 2D Zelda. You, you can just you can just see it all over. It's a Nintendo like fanfic game. It's really good. There's a lot of in jokes with other games and stuff like that. But yeah, so what it, made you jump on it this time then? Because it's just it was eleven quid. <laughs> oh, okay. For both games, that's that's what made me jump on it. I just saw it. It just popped popped up there this week on the uh, the eShop, and I thought Evo Land. And then I saw I, I looked at the pictures. I was like, oh my god, this is really clever. Because some games try this, don't they? Where you you unlock the game as you're going along. And I don't yeah. mean like equipment. I mean, you unlock the fucking game. You like unpackage it as you're playing it. Yeah. And this just does it really, really clever. If you've got it, just play it for a first time. You'd understand exactly why I'm finding it so difficult to explain what it is. But if you like Zelda, or you're, you're a fan of the old 16-bit era games, and stuff like that, play it. There's even a high wind in it, Iggy. You love a high wind. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, so for eleven quid on Switch or Steam or PS4, get it. So that's what I've been doing this week. I've been doing a little secret project, but I can't talk to you about that. So Ooh. I will. Uh, you will hear more in the coming weeks. So, Candy, what have you been up to? Um, I've been doing a few things this week. Actually, firstly, I've got a bit more Marvel for you. I went to see Black Widow. No, um, you didn't. I did. You know. Um, I'm going to try and not be too spoilery because I know a lot of people won't have seen it yet. Um, I don't think it was one of Marvel's greatest. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't really in the same sort of league as other recent Marvel releases. Um, and unlike WandaVision, it didn't have any more of it. didn't sort of add any more of an emotional connection or a deeper understanding of Nat- Natasha's character, mm-hmm. which I was kind of hoping for as it would sort of add, add a bit more gravitas to her ending in the Avengers series. It, it felt like it came out at a weird time. Like it felt like it should have been a prequel, um, whereas it was just sort of mistimed. I think it would have been. It was set um, set after Civil War, I want to say, and before yeah. the sort of main Avengers ones. Yeah, it should um, just come out then. Really, it should have. It? Yeah, it should have done. It, I think it definitely would have been better coming out more chronologically. Was it? Did it? Was it start filming before then? No, I don't think so. I wonder why they've done it this way. It, oh, never mind. I think maybe they wanted. People to care maybe more about her character 
yeah, or it, they've used it as a means to introduce new characters that they might continue with, especially yeah. um, Florence Pugh. I think she's probably got a, uh, a future in the films. Um, mm. Because of when it's come out, nothing really felt urgent. You know, we all know Natasha's future, so there's no real threat. David, David Harbour's character. I love him. Also, yeah, I love him. I absolutely love him. But I feel like he didn't really add much to the film. He didn't really. They could have he didn't just with Elboy either. The, he's, he's breaking my heart. <laughs> oh, Harbs, why you do this to us? <laughs> um, yeah, he could have been cut out completely and it wouldn't really have affected the story. I think it, he was just used as a sort of flavour of the month, which also is a mm. little bit mistimed because it's been a while since we had any Stranger Things. A um, mm. little bit like Eleven being used in Godzilla. Her character didn't really add much to the story either, other than a sort of famous flavour of the moment face. Um, so that was. Uh, that was it for me. The other thing I've been doing, I read The Rats by James Herbert. Yes. Sorry, Stig, another rat thing. Um, it's a horror I novel written by James Herbert in 1974. It's also been adapted as a film called Deadly Eyes in the 80s, which I, I haven't seen that. yet, but I no. kind of want to see it. I didn't mm. know either. Um, and also, I did not know this either. It's um, also been made into a game for the Commodore 64 and the ZX Spectrum in 1985. It's probably incredible then. I'm sure it would be. <laughs> Um, you might have heard of James Herbert's other sort of, I, I would say it's probably more of a well-known book, The Fog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Dark. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, it's Frank in, Herbert is. <laughs> it's set in uh, post-war London. It tells the story of giant mutant rats on a killing spree. Um, and it sort of begins as a collection of backstories of the rats' victims and what led them to the circumstances of their untimely sort of demises. And in a lot of the cases, the victims that are devoured by the rats are actually pretty awful people in the first place. There's not a lot of redeeming features about any of them. Um, so the rats could really be interpreted as the victims being devoured by their own shortcomings in life. Um, and it also serves as social commentary on London at the time. The city was still suffering the side effects of the war. Bomb, start, bomb sites are still very much present and it's the lack of sanitation. Um, it's really graphic and gory and it's, yeah. it probably will give you the heebie-jeebies if you, even if you don't have a problem with rodents. I don't. I don't have a problem with rats. Or I didn't until I read this. Yeah, same. And um, something to keep in mind, it was written in 1975, so some of the language used would probably be considered a little bit problematic by oh, today's Oh, trust me, they, they all read um, Rendezvous with Rama. <laughs> they're used to it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, luckily, it's nothing too heinous, but it's it's very much a book of the time, I think. Um, but what it has done, it's managed, it's motivated me to start a Plague Tale, so I think I'll be doing that next week. Oh, my word. That game is so good. <laughs> so I hear so I'm excited about that. But that's been my week. Excellent. Brilliant. Good, good strong week. Biggie. Well, um, for those that uh, know me from a previous Discord, I am quite a fan of Jackie Chan. No way. Oh, yes. In fact, you and me first had a proper discussion on that Discord. We bonded about, over the chanster. <laughs> about the man himself. So um, after watching that documentary uh, last week, it inspired me to sort of track down some 80s movies, which I thought I'd pick up. But I went a bit further back and ended up watching Drunken Master oh, yeah. 1 Ooh, nice. and then Drunken Master 2 straight which afterwards. I think 2 is better. Yeah, it's a difficult one for me because um, I was a massive fan of the original and saw it so many times Yeah, that it kind of has that nostalgic feel for me. But as um, a martial art movie, yeah, I would agree that the second has a lot more to it. Yeah. It's a lot more funnier in its own way. It is. So the, the original Drunken Master was uh, released in 1978. Uh, directed by Yuan Wu Ping, who also did the choreography for The Matrix, the Crouching Tiger movies. Um, 
it's that sort of 70s stroke 80s Hong Kong martial arts comedy that basically became a genre for Jackie Chan in his early days, if not most of his movies. Uh, the plot basically revolves around the protagonist, uh, Wong Fei Hung, who's actually quite a famous Chinese martial artist. Um, he's a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner and almost a revolutionary, I guess, as well, from the Qing dynasty. Um, in this movie, he's more of a cocky guy, actually, a sort of a teenager who mucks about trying to impress his mates, basically. Early on, he gets into trouble, um, and after several incidents all happening on the same day, he brings dishonour to his father and his father's name and gets assigned to Beggar So, also known as Sam Sneed, depending on which version you watch, the original or the dubbed. And he's a tough teacher in martial arts who will teach Wong discipline and respect. But after going out on more chaotic run around trying to avoid this horrible teacher he's ended up with, he almost gets killed by an assassin for hire um, in a chance encounter. And after being humiliated, he finally decides to study under Beggar So. I mean, the plot isn't anything new for most movies, but what was interesting was that for me, it was my first discovery about drunken martial arts. And it's a really interesting style where it gives the impression that the um, fight is obviously drunk. And then Sonny pulls out these really fast, um, quite powerful moves. And in this movie, they cover the um, learning the art of the eight drunken gods in an excellent training montage, which basically just has Jackie Chan showing off his all his skills. Um, yeah, I just love it. It's classic Jackie Chan. The, the martial arts is a little bit slow at times. So yeah. it really kind of almost makes it look like a dance as opposed to... It's fluid, to, isn't it? Like, but it is Rather still Rather than fluid. rapid. Yeah. And... Um, there is an appearance as the assassin, which is Huang Jang Li, who's really good in this movie because yeah. he is actually Korean and he comes with a different style of Kung Fu. It's Taekwondo, it, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's more sort of kick-based, but it's, uh, yeah, really impressive. Um, and then literally in 1994, so nearly 20 years later, he ended up filming a sequel Yeah, um, directed by somebody called Lao Ka Lung. Um, it was set in the early 20th century and the plot revolves around a sort of basically a MacGuffin, um, a, a imperial seal. Um, the, the plot basically just covers the uh, British consul. Yay, Brit's bad. <laughs> trying to smuggle all of the artifacts out of China to Britain. Um, Jackie Chan, once again, playing Wong Fei Hung, ends up again getting very drunk, fighting this the is bad a fart. guys. And uh, bringing shame to his father, who kicks him out of the house. He ends up getting oodles kind of drunk. Yeah, monkey boos. <laughs> Drowns his sorrows and then gets beaten up and hung up as a message to all the locals who, uh, as a side plot, are threatening to strike due to unfair treatment and conditions in a local plant. Wong wakes up the next day, ashamed of his actions, and like oodles, swears to never drink again. And then the next <laughs> day... Week. He literally gets involved in another fight um, as he ends up joining the protesters to avenge the death of a friend. And then Jackie Chan goes absolutely fucking crazy. He ends up fighting drunken style, but this time alcohol is not involved. He's, he did keep his word. He gave that up. And instead, he basically drank lighter fuel in this movie <laughs> and ends up having an intense battle whilst being completely off his head. The stunts in this um, are something else. It is so much faster. Um, again, the, the, the antagonist, I forgot to put her, his name down here, but he, uh, again, brought a different style um, as Jackie's adversary. And, yeah, really, really good stuff from Jackie Chan's a great fight in a tea house. Um, oh, God, yes. I mean, a lot of Jackie Chan's movies are kind of 
set pieces and then the plots written around it. Um, you can see that again here. Um, they plan the stunts a- first, don't they? Yeah, and this is really funny as well. There's a lot more sort of physical uh, comedy um, with all the actors. Falling on his ass. Yeah, and, and the, one of the weirdest things, because I realised I recognised um, the guy that plays Jackie Chan's father in this movie. His father was only seven years older than Jackie in real life, <laughs> and his mother was nine years younger than him in this movie. <laughs> so go figure. And Jackie but, Chan uh, didn't look too young in this either. No, he did not. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's Jackie Chan all through and through, and uh, I employ you if you haven't seen it to watch it's them. so good uh there was rumored to be doing it a third one but that got kiboshed about a decade ago excellent excellent stig uh this week i listened to a podcast stop listening to other podcasts i listened to a <laughs> podcast called modern escapism oh. i've heard of it because uh i wasn't on last week <laughs> <laughs> did we do you proud yes i was hungover no, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I was very hungover after that England game. No fucking wasn't. Yeah, but like I just couldn't. I just couldn't. All day I could not get the the headache. Just wouldn't leave. No matter how many tablets I took, how much water I drank, it was just no. It's because I mix stuff. Ah, see, that's where I don't. yeah, but prosecco <laughs> and nuts aren't mixing. <laughs> <laughs> prosecco no, and Bombay mix, beer and. <laughs> mojitos and other shots and whatever oh, the else people were giving me like it was just a terrible mixture of stuff that i just did not feel very well i'm glad you suffered yeah so um i made notes oh for fuck's sake <laughs> i have feedback um i was first off kudos to candy for putting herself through watching the matrix sequels <laughs> the podcast they said it couldn't be done that's beautiful. I do it for the greater good beautiful commitment <laughs> the greater to, the, yeah, good. to the greater good the greater good um, the best bit in Alien Resurrection is Sigourney Weaver throwing the basketball over her shoulder yeah because she did that in one take in real life yeah. okay, pretty sure yeah. Biggie said that under his breath at one point I, I did, but the thing, the thing is, though, I mean, how would she know what basketball is? that's the thing that really annoyed me like she knew where it was going basketball is timeless humans. The humans, aren't they? Yeah. And she just threw it. But but the fact that I just love the fact that she did that in real life. If you ever listen yeah. to an interview, Rob Perlman, he's like, he says, I nearly fucked that scene up because my reaction like, was was just like, holy fuck. Like <laughs> there is a clip there is a clip of that. Yeah, he, he has somewhere. to turn away because he realizes yeah. he's about to fuck up the scene. Like um, <laughs> I mean he fucked up the film. <laughs> the film oh, not have oh, that. Uh, by the way, I would rather watch Resurrection than Covenant. 100%. Oh, yeah, we, we, yeah, 100%. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Shia LaBeouf uh, is much better now in indie films. You said he's shit and everything. Pe- Peanut Butter Falcon is a brilliant film. Is it? Yep. And, but the best thing that, uh, if we didn't have Shia LaBeouf, we wouldn't have the song about him being an actual cannibal. And if you haven't watched that, <laughs> you need to go onto YouTube and watch the Shia LaBeouf song because it is incredible. I haven't seen that, I don't think. After this, just seriously, just, Shia LaBeouf yeah, song, it? and it's a little stage show about Shia LaBeouf being a cannibal. I'll, st- I'll, <laughs> I'll stick it in the show notes for people to, to listen so to after good. this. Uh, Metal Gear Solid, Jump the Shark in Metal Gear Solid 2. It then jumped the shark again in Metal Gear Solid 4. Yeah. <laughs> it, did take till fi- it did not take till episode, uh, Metal Gear Solid 5 to jump the shark. That's what I was saying. <laughs> Number two was the jump. Yeah. And finally, Die Hard 4. It's a good action film. It's not a Die Hard film. It's an act- good action film. Yes. No, That's- I didn't enjoy it. I, I I enjoyed the film, but I can't get around it being John McClane doing these yeah. things. So I think that's what really kills it. But it could I, just I'm be something like Dave McClane, a different guy. Yeah, it could have just been anyone, really. It probably but, was, mate, and then they just put John McClane in it. Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, uh, I did have notes about the Tomorrow World, but you covered most of that. Um, it was pretty much the same. I had the same kind of reaction you two had. Wasn't fantastic, was it? No. Uh, Chris Pratt was. Be- he's a bit bland. It was uh, miscast in a way. Oh. <gasps> um, Gadget had said, oh, does he do that Chris Pratt thing? And I think because he doesn't do the Chris Pratt thing. That's what we're waiting he's for. Very, he's very boring. <laughs> <laughs> like, Chris Pratt does something very good. Stick to it. He's yeah, just removed the one thing that makes him memorable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I did, you, you, you didn't mention the bit where they do science and there's a little science montage with like little test tubes and science oh, screens what? and DNA oh, yeah. things. Oh, I absolutely love that. As soon as that came We're up, doing I was like, science. Yeah, it was basically this is a that. montage. They might have well been high- high-fiving over test tubes and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Molecules. High five. <laughs> uh, but the main thing I did this week uh, was, uh, sadly, we lost uh, a great director in Richard Donner this week. Yes. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Richard Donner did the likes of Superman 1 and 2, mm. uh, The Goonies, the Lethal Weapon series, Scrooged, uh, some oh, tales Scrooge, from the crypt, about that. Maverick, Assassins, Maverick's and really his amazing. final film, which I consider the unofficial Die Hard trilogy uh, sequel, Sixteen Blocks. Oh, Sixteen Blocks is so good. Yeah, Six- Sixteen that. Blocks is a Die Hard film. Yeah, it's got John McClane in it. It's got Bruce Willis <laughs> in it, and it's very much that kind of Die Hard setting. But yeah, it's not. But yeah, that was his last film in two thousand and six, and yeah, he sadly passed away this this week. And I just felt like watching one of his films. And I decided to settle on Superman because I've not seen it in yes in absolutely ages. I honestly don't think I've seen it since I was a child. Wow! Wow. It still holds up. It's still brilliant. Yeah. Um. He gets he gets Superman so much. Him and Christopher Reeves just yeah they're just the perfect team, and they just get Superman so well. Uh, I love the opening. How weird and trippy it is on um, Krypton. Krypton. Yeah, yeah, everyone's weird, in there, like it, with like the weird white suits and the yeah. whole like banishing of uh, Zod and his crew, like and it's like some it's, acid trip, isn't it? Yeah, it's really just <laughs> it doesn't seem to fit the rest of the film. But it's not meant to because <laughs> different on is Earth. Yeah, mm. it's not it's not our planet, and it's it's a completely different looking planet. Like I've I've been playing Injustice Two, and uh, that starts off with on Krypton. Yeah, and it could just be any city. It just yeah. could be a futuristic city, that. But this is just like, you know for what this isn't Earth. This is somewhere well, The Krypton on Man of Steel just looked like something off of Star Wars. I was going yeah. to say that one looks even more generic, really, doesn't it? Mm. The, the Man yeah. of Steel one. But, like, it, um, I just kind of love that this film essentially takes 50 minutes to even establish Clark and Superman. Yeah. You get the whole, it, it builds it up so much. Like, it isn't a case of thrown onto Earth. Here's Superman go like it kind of builds up. About you wanted where it, it comes to be longer from. as well. Yeah, well, there is a no. There's a yeah. three hour cut, but he yeah. doesn't like. He never liked that. Yeah, he didn't like that one. Uh, he says that his is it's two hours and twenty minutes. His version. He said that's like the definitive definitive version. Um, but yeah, and uh, we talked about this in our Discord, but I love the way that he handles um, his dad's death. Yeah, mm. it's way in, better. In this film, his dad has a heart attack. And dies, and Clark is like, I basically just his, his words are, I couldn't save him, and it's it's done so much well because like it was perfect. What Oodle said was that of, even though he's got all this power and he can run fast and he's got super strength and he's got all this, he can see through things and do all this and he's indestructible. He can't beat nature. Yeah, 
Thank that you. was always one of his his his, um, his his kryptonites, nature and um, magic. But let's not talk about magic. But, yeah, yeah I mean, nature itself. They, they do do something later in the film which I've always disliked, <laughs> which kind of undoes this because he could have just done that at that point. Yeah. Uh, but when you compare that to something like Man of Steel, where it's just like he's his dad is um, I forget him. What's his dad's name again? Sorry, what's his dad's name? Mr. Kent. Mr. Kent. You should know this. You're our resident comic book nerd. It's um, Martha Jonathan. and... Jonathan. Jonathan Kent. Jonathan Kent, that's Jonathan. it. Yeah, so Jonathan Such Kent. Such a non-character. Yeah, in Man of Steel, it's just like, for some queer re- reason, he doesn't want... For some reason... Kevin Costner. ...want um, <laughs> Superman to show himself. He's stupid. He's like, he's trapped in the eye of a storm and, and Clark's wanting to to get at him and he just puts his hand up he's like no don't rescue me and it's just like he's faster than a speeding bullet he could rescue you get back to the spot where we stood and no one would have seen he's literally <laughs> four canonically four nanoseconds slower than the flash yeah <laughs> he could just get him it just annoyed me so, and it just highlighted how much Richard Donner's films got Superman how yep. much they were, they were better how much better they were than the, the current um Consider when it was released, how it actually if you've got you obviously know that I'm older than you guys, so I saw this when I was a kid. And it just made you man. It it just made you think that Superman could fly. It was true, it was real. When you see Superman in the comic and you suddenly see that on the screen, Mm. it was just something else. It was so well done. You know what I really liked about it is when it came out this film, we weren't we weren't at the Superman Golden Age anymore. We were at the Cold War era Superman. But Donna just thought, you know what? I'm not going to go for that grit. I'm going to go for what we know as Superman. Yeah. The joyfulness. Yep. The if if he's going to be the strongest thing we've ever known on Earth, what's the best way to to stop him is with Earth things rather than, you know what I mean? It's, it's really and the clever. outfit was exactly as the comic. It oh, was, spot on, spot on. You know? It's um, honestly like you said that people have come out and said uh, Richard Donner not only made me believe a man that could fly but he made me believe that comic book characters could be brought to life on the big screen with heart, humour, humidity, yeah. and I can't pronounce this last word. Ver- Verisimilitude? That's the word. Bonus <laughs> 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 points to Gadget. That was, from Ke- that was from Kevin Feige. Yeah. yeah. So, Massive um, inspiration to MCU, that the, one as well. Yes. The, the one thing that I think always typified for me that how much Richard Donner got Superman was um it's not even like the biggest scene in the film. It's um there's there's a scene, it's about two thirds of the way through, I think, where um where Superman drops Lewis Lane off at her apartment and then flies off and then Clark knocks on the door about a minute later. Yeah. And he and, and, and he walks in and it's this twenty it's this maybe two minute long, unbroken shot where like Lewis is kind of fussing about and just like she's all of a flutter having been flown around by Superman and Clark's talking to her and she kind of walks off screen onto another room and then he kind of becomes Superman, like Christopher Reeve's entire physicality changes. Bust, he takes it, the it glasses his chest off. Up and yeah, breathes. Yeah. yeah, he t- takes his glasses off, and then for a f- for a few seconds he's Superman. And then when she when he hears her coming back, he puts the glasses on. He shrinks back into being Clark Kent. And you think, like for all the people over the years who said, "Oh, well, he just takes his glasses off," like you know, if if she, wouldn't Lewis notice in the morning or something like that? I said no, because Richard Donner managed to get this unbroken shot like this, which showed that like his entire body effectively changes between the two characters. 
And it's, it's just, really clever how they do it. And he's he made him a buffoon like as that. well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah they made him a yeah, buffoon. Yeah, but, yeah, but buffoon, a bit clumsy, a bit bumbling, a bit unsure of himself. Which is from the Golden Age comics. That, that, that yeah. Superman's Superman is not his alter ego. That's himself. His alter yeah. ego is Clark Kent, and it's yeah. really. Yeah. I mean, you can't you can't talk about the the first Superman without talking about Gene Ackman as Lex Luthor, the best yeah. Lex Luthor in my opinion, and. Yeah. And Margot Kidder is the best Lois Lane as well. Oh, the the, the chemistry that Reeves and Kidder have is oh, so it's unreal. Good. Yeah, and um, just the way Reeves, like you said, portrays uh, Clark as opposed to Superman. Like when you first meet him at the Daily Planet, he's he's there trying to he's he's there trying to get a, a cap off a bottle, and he's yeah, pretending he can't yeah. do it, and then he sprays it all over himself, and he's all bumbling, and he's like dropping stuff, and he and he and even. The, one of the best things about it is he stays in character when no one's around. Yeah, so he's yeah, there he waiting does. for a, he's there waiting for a lift, acting. and there's no one around, but he still plays up as Clark Kent, and that's yeah. how he, you get away from him. Clark just, Kent I mean, is his real mask, isn't it? That's his mask. Yeah, yeah. I, I do like how they do the Golden Age phone box as well, phone booth. <laughs> yeah, Where, I, I, what I love is he does. He runs to the phone booth, and it's like a half and half one. So yep. he's like, he's like, oh, I can't do that in here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's probably it's such a homage. Yeah, and just again, like the the bit where the with the robber uh, where they get held up in the alleyway, and he's all just like, oh, listen to him, Lois, listen to him, and she's she's the one, she's the hard ass at that in that yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah, the one standing up to him, and he's the one pretending to faint, and <laughs> yeah. it's like, no, no wonder you wouldn't expect this guy to be Superman. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's nothing to do with how he looks; it's how he acts. That's why people yeah. don't mm. believe because people could say. You, you, you've got a look of Superman, but you're such a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> how, how could you be? I, mean, I get it all the time. Yeah, I bet you do. I bet you do. There's a few things in this film that doesn't make sense. I never really understood why Lex Luthor lived underground. And that, yeah, that, like, that's that's a homage, but it's stupid. Yeah, it does. In the context of this film, it doesn't. There is like a point where the policeman are like, oh, it'll lead us to the boss. And I'm like, but why does this rich man live underground like this? That doesn't yeah. make sense. Lex Luthor Super- was known to have a big Lex Corp building. <laughs> yeah, uh, Superman <laughs> turning the world backwards to bring Lois back to life and bring, stop stop the stuff happening. That's terrible. It's, I, the reason he did that, though, is because uh, there was no other superheroes in that universe, so they had to think of a reason. Normally, Superman would have gone to someone else and gone, can you help me with this? <laughs> I get what they were doing because they get to show the destruction. Superman just doesn't save the day. He actually fails. Yeah. And yeah. it shows that Superman isn't just going to stop every tragedy. He isn't going to stop everyone dying. He isn't going to stop a, this. a choice, didn't he? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, he actually does fail. And in doing so, Lois gets killed. I think they could have just done it without Lois getting killed and maybe some or something and, and not had the world turning backwards. There, there, but, is, there is a fan, not, not a fan theory, but a fan like... Um, cut that they said imagine if it was that Lois had some kind of illness and he had to rush off and take her somewhere to the other side of the country or something like that, rather than spin the world backwards yeah. on its axis <laughs> think of something that's a bit more believable but we'll just have somebody else die and not her what, and leave yeah, yeah but it doesn't, it doesn't mean as much does it but, no, but it can be somebody I get what they're doing for interest, but like but, I guess maybe right. back then it wasn't so, so much of a problem but like kind of these days you look at it and going, Matt, like Eh, like, like nowadays, eh. if if it was a Superman film and Lois died, they'd just get someone like Doctor Fate that can just change time and twist it back. Oh around no, she died. And they put they put her in a pool and they go. Yeah, that's they what go I mean. find they go find a cube and then they get yeah. Flash to run really fast, touch yeah. it. Set it up. Yeah, yeah, that's. There'd be ways around it now, but then it'll be I in black and white and in slow motion. 
Yeah, <laughs> Donna worked with what he could have worked with, and I think it, it's an, uh, for the for its time. It was it's an emotional gut punch, and for my money, pe- a lot of people say Tim Burton's Batman Batman's the best original superhero film. It's not. This is. Yeah, Superman. It is. It's brilliant. And just before I finish, there is one shot in it. Um, you can go on YouTube and find it because there's loads of clips of it. It's this perfect, unbroken shot of the Daily Planet, and they and it's just con- it's just moving through the whole of the the offices. Oh yeah, going from yeah. people to people, round columns, past desks, into different corridors, into different rooms. Proper choreographed, it, isn't it? And it is full on unbroken one take shot and it's absolutely fantastic and that just shows how good of a director he was mm. you've made me want to go and watch it again I'll just yes. watch oh, it I, I'm going to go I'm going to go and try and find the Donna cut of Superman 2 yeah which is the better version because I've not I don't think I've seen that one but um, I don't think I have this made me want to um, you yeah, can watch you can watch, watch Superman watch 3 but mm, then just stop nah <laughs> we're an alien situation here aren't we yeah, yeah. <laughs> First two classics. The first that, two, ooh. the first two are linked because he had them. Yeah. They were both they were both filmed at the same time. And Zod's there at the beginning of first. Yeah, one. and it yeah. and it makes sense. So, um, yeah, I'm going to watch that, and I might uh, I might watch Lethal Weapon again. Yeah, yeah, you could watch yeah. Lethal Weapon anytime. Yeah, Always. I mean, I watch Scrooge like every like you know Christmas time. Yeah, I watched it in December yeah, as well. So, but uh, yeah, Superman was. Uh, it was really nice to watch that again. Yeah, massive hats off to Richard Donner. What a what a mm. sad loss. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, what what a what a, what a man. Excellent, Biggie. What on earth are we talking about <laughs> this week? We're going to be talking about roles in TV and film that were horribly miscast, completely unlike this podcast, and what we thought of that. And for bonus points, we also threw in who we might have cast in that role instead. Yep. <laughs> yep. Thanks for joining us. Good night. The, end. Now, the reason I'm saying yep is because we haven't got to mine yet, but we're going to start with Gadget. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start off talking about a little film that I was forced to watch many, many times as part of my uh, music degree because we analysed this film's soundtrack. Fair enough. We had to watch the film about 15 times over, getting all the musical cues. This film came out in, ooh, when was it? It was about 1990, I think, or 1991, actually. June 14th, 1991. This film made a lot of money. Was a big smash hit. Had a big smash hit single come off it that pestered the British charts for 14 weeks. I'm talking about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Kevin (laughs) fucking Costner. I do it for you. That was nearly one of mine. What a film! I'm going to tell you now. I have never seen this. What don't biggie? Okay, the thing is, the film itself isn't bad. It's for me. It's I would cast it as an average film because there's a lot I dislike about it, but doesn't necessarily make it a bad film. Um. The problem is Kevin Costner playing the lead of Robin of Loxley. Um, he's shite. <laughs> For starters, he makes no effort whatsoever to do a British accent. Not and even not a bad accent British accent. Either. No, he doesn't even do a bad British accent. He just comes in straight away with that fucking middle Californian accent that he's got. Hey man, Robin Hood here. <laughs> Full of cock and swagger and it's just like, no. No, fuck off. No one in England in the 14th century sounded like this. 
That's why I always love that that joke in Men in Tights. Yes. Like, other Robin Hoods, I speak with an English accent. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that, for that reason, I will adore Carrie Elways and Mel Brooks for the rest of my I mean, life. We should anyway. <laughs> I mean, we should. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing people. But just, that just for that one gag. Um, yeah. So if you haven't seen Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, it tells a very rarefied version of the Robin Hood story. Um, Robin of Loxley finds himself strung up during the Crusades. Um, breaks out with a with his Maw, uh, played by Morgan Freeman. Yep. Which I always forgot that this is one of his earliest films. <laughs> oh yeah, um, yeah. Mm. Um, he manages to escape the Crusades, find his way back to uh, escape cru- his conscription. <laughs> yeah, escape his conscription. Uh, winds up in in Dover, gets to Nottingham via Northumberland. Because you get the fight, wall, the fight scene at Sycamore Gap on Adrian's Wall for some inexplicable reason. <laughs> no one will notice. No, apart from the Northerners. Um, <laughs> gets it, yes, gets himself to Nottingham uh, and Sherwood Forest and discovers that his kind of ancestral home has been seized by the Sheriff of Nottingham, who is played by the runaway star of this in Alan Rickman. Hans Gruber. So oh, perfect. So- Hans Gruber. Sir Hans Gruber. <laughs> he's not just chewing the scenery, he's chewing through the walls of the castle. That's how much he's enjoying himself playing. Mr. Hood. <laughs> <laughs> and as, as it goes on, he then kind of meets his merry men, who also includes the other horrendous miscast in this film, oh, Christian God, yeah. Slater as Will Scarlet. Mm. Oh, yeah. I forgot right. he was in that. Yeah. Yeah. Surfer dude, Christian Slater. Yes, a very young, very... Wet behind the ears, Christian Slater in one of his first big film roles, playing an American Will Scarlet. Great hair, though. <laughs> oh, fantastic! I only know this from seeing that bloody music video that they kept showing all the scenes. <laughs> yeah. I've not seen the movie. Yeah, by, the, by the way, Brian Adams is not in this film. No, but that <laughs> yeah. is throughout it all because the, the actual melody is written by Michael Kamen, who did the soundtrack for it. Yeah. Um, and it was then transplanted onto the song, which was originally just <laughs> so. done for the credits. And then they says, you know what? We, if we sell this by itself, it'll make a ton. And by fuck, it did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was number one for 14 weeks. I think for, the, for a while, it was the longest record running. Holder. It was. Yeah, it was the record holder for quite a long time. Um, it's a shame those stray arrows hit him. <laughs> <laughs> um, Is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's... I mean, the thing is, the film itself is an overwrought, overly. Um, I, don't, I don't know how you how you how you describe it. Overly... The best way to describe it is it's Zack Snyder's Robin Hood. Yeah, actually, it's not that bad. It is. No, it is, there's there's a lot of slow motion. I'm sure, you've said you like there Robin Hood mo- before. I do like it, but I also watched the Justice League Snyder cut four times. So. <laughs> I like Prince of Thieves. I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm not ashamed I, to say it. I like it. I like Waterworld and the Postman. I, I like Waterworld too. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mind Waterworld. I have seen that. We keep saying it. There are literally tens of you <laughs> who like these things. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it, it was one of these things where Kevin Costner was kind of at the height of his powers, and it was just a. It was like the biggest budget film I think he could get in for that year. I think oh, that was, yeah. it was to help him with his cachet for to get his passion project, which was Waterworld, off the ground. Oh God! <laughs> For whatever good that did him, um, <laughs> and yeah, just the thing is, there are a million other actors who could have done the role. Um, and the thing is, I'm really annoyed that you came to me first because I'd forgotten that we were recasting them as well. So I hadn't thought of another actor to take his place. But the thing is, any other action star could have done it and probably would have done it better. Because aside from the accent thing, 
he's just incredibly wooden and unsympathetic. Like, there, there has to be an arrogance to Robin Hood. There does have to be an arrogance because of the kind of character he is. He is a thief, He is a, but he is also this kind of legendary charmer, um, very kind of vivacious, very over the top, that kind of thing. Um, so there does need to be arrogance to him, but with Kevin Costner's interpretation of the character, there's just no likability to him. Mm. He is just a dickhead who, who succeeds <laughs> at everything. And it's very frustrating to see. Um and I, you know, fucking let Carrie Elways do it. He, I mean, he'd done the Princess Bride in the eighties. He could have just fucking walked straight into there, which I guess is. Or it could have been, it could have been Alan Rickman playing both roles, I and mean, it would have still been better. That would have been incredible. <laughs> Speaking of like, uh, I'm trying to look at English actors, those kinds. I, I genuinely think Val Kilmer should have done it. The thing is, at that, at, at that time, you know, Val Kilmer done Willow. I mean, he could have That's done. What I'm saying. That's yeah, what I'm thinking. He could have yeah, done yeah, that. Yeah. Mad, 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 Mardigan. Is it Mardigan? Mard, Mardigan. Whatever he's called in Willow. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. That scruffy looking. Uh, Val Kilmer can put an accent on. He knows what he's doing. Well, exactly. I mean, you know, Val Kilmer can act. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So I think he. Thinking about that's what that's who I'd put. I'm thinking of the time scale as what 1991. Yeah. Val Kilmer, huge. Yeah, absolutely. He he could, and him or Carrie Elwes, I would have been very Patrick happy. Patrick Swayze, with for fuck's sake! Oh no, I don't think Patrick Swayze would have done that one. He would have been all about the hair. <laughs> yeah, <I'm not laughs> everyone's all Swayze. about the hair in that film. <laughs> <laughs> Even Fry Tuck's got better hair. <laughs> that is true. Um, I do like Fry Tuck in that film. Yeah, I just, he played it very straight, didn't he? Whereas I, it was almost kind of a light-hearted film, and he just uh, well, Robin yeah. Hood's no the original rogue. You want a roguish front. Yeah. That's what you want. Yeah, he does play a bit straight reading when you consider like what's how Rickman plays the sheriff and how yeah. little he plays John the is sheriff like Fry Shakespeare. Tuck. There isn't a single Shakespeare character in any of his plays that's straight that plays it straight. Shakespeare's verbose; it's over the top. That's how it should have been. I know Robin Hood's not a Shakespeare play, but it's that era. Do you know what I mean? It's just be crazy with it. Think Hamlet, think Macbeth, go fucking wild. Yeah. Well, look at look at when they do try and do a bit of a straight Robin Hood. Mm. Russell Crowe did it and it got Oh, panned. God. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like, every other Robin Hood's kind of been a bit campy. Did you see the Taron Egerton one? He was better. Yeah. The Guy Ritchie oh. one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I heard it was He's better. More, like, uh, call blimey, Gaff Nets, Robin Hood. It's as if Robin Hood was born in, um, born in the East End. Yeah. <laughs> did I have David Beckham in it as well? Yes, it did. Awesome. <laughs> that was good. This is a walk yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so yeah, just, just can we go back to the Room 101 thing from the Patreon thing and just put Kevin Costner in it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, sh- it's a shame that Alan Rickman weren't as big then because he could have been a Robin Hood in a way. An no, I don't think I would have liked um, Alan Rickman as the lead there. I will, we'll settle on Val Kilmer then. Yeah, we'll settle on Val Kilmer and we'll just cut Will Scarlet out of the story whatsoever. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't do anything in it anyway. No, that's true. Other than so in the way, hair. isn't he? Yeah, it's just it's the floppy hair, isn't it? Mm, excellent. Good, good pick. Um, Candy, what you got? I'm going with Keanu Reeves in Cyberpunk. Whoa. Um, Interested to know about this one. Johnny Silverhand. A thousand voices screaming out all at once. Um, Now, obviously, (laughs) we have no source material to compare this to. Um, I mean, there is is the, the game. Yeah, the original the game. Because John, 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 Johnny Silverland is a character. Uh, Johnny Silverhand is a character in that. Yeah. He's in. He, yeah. He's in the law for the tabletop game. 
Yeah, that's true. Actually, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about the tabletop game. Um, I'm just sort of going by what's sort of written uh, as his character before the game actually came out. Um, so my main problem was he he just doesn't have any kind of believable conviction. He's breathtaking. He's meant to be- he is breathtaking. I'm not denying that. You're breathtaking. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> You're all breathtaking. Uh, but he's meant to be a sort Me of revolutionary. So. Absolutely. Out, um, he's meant to be a revolutionary sort of out for revenge. He's a punk, isn't he? Yeah. You know, hard ass punk. But he just acts like he's bored and world weary and doesn't really give a fuck about anything. And <laughs> it's just, a, it's such a massive contrast to his onstage persona when he's performing with um, Samurai, his band. Samurai, yeah. Um, so his singing voice is voiced by Dennis, I'm going to butcher this, Dennis Lixon of Refused. Yep. Um, and I think that his the, the music is a much better representation of the character's feelings and emotions. It's sort of energetic and unrelating and it just takes no prisoners or excuses. Um, the thing is with Keanu is he's got a very specific style of acting. Stoned. You might describe it. Stoned. Some would say <laughs> bad. Well, yeah. um, no, no, no. He has two styles of acting. He has Bill and Ted. And he has yeah. the Matrix. And he has yes. Bram Stoker's Dracula. No, we, no, no, no he doesn't have that. That was the problem. That's, that's, <laughs> see, that is, what, that is a miscast. That is a miscast. <laughs> that felt like a low-hanging fruit, though. Yeah, it's it's like Mina. No, well, he's, he's great at John Wick. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, he is very good. I think what he, he does... He doesn't talk much. Exactly. Yeah, what he does, he does really well. Um, he, but his monotone delivery and just and the sort of cool persona—it doesn't really fit how I would have liked Johnny Silverhand to be. Yeah, I would he say does he have the somebody, most dialogue in the game as well. Yeah, I would have liked to see somebody sort of more youthful with like a raw energy and still like angry at the world. And it's hard to believe him as being charismatic enough to garner like a cult-like following in the youth. Yeah, uh, yeah. maybe he is a little bit too old. Um, mm. He's never described as a nice person in cyberpunk lore. And throughout the game, you might you, you sort of come to understand his way of thinking and you may sympathise with his cause, but I don't think you're ever re- really friends. He's never, he's never nice. He's actually a massive dick and not in a particularly endearing way either. And he's a misogynist just, as well. Misogynist, yeah. Just He doesn't give a fuck about anyone, including his own kind of points you know he doesn't even believe himself and Keanu is just universally loved as a person and it's hard to think of him as anything other than a sort of lovable dork holding a puppy yeah because yeah. he's um, a lovely bloke in real life isn't he yeah he is he's the yeah, internet's absolutely. boyfriend yeah I, I wish you, you were my boyfriend like sometimes I saw I saw a meme that just said uh, several women come, come forward to accuse Keanu Reeves and I was like oh fuck's sake and they just went, I've been the nicest guy in show business. I was like, <laughs> you had me at the start. And then, you know. <laughs> well, there's even pictures of him when he's taking photos with fans and he doesn't actually, like, he puts his arm around um, girls, but doesn't actually touch them. He's always, like, kind of hovering. Um, I understand why he was cast. He's a huge pull. And I think the reveal at E3 was genuinely unexpected. I just, yeah. I just love watching streamers' reactions on YouTube as well when he walked out. Um, he just added even more to the already massive hype machine for the game, I think, which ultimately is one of the factors that led to its perceived failure. Um, I do enjoy famous actors being cast in AAA games, and I think it's probably a trend that will continue, but I just I don't think Cyberpunk would have suffered that much with Keanu not being the main Yeah, we got Jon Snow in Call character. of Duty, didn't we? We did. Fucking hell, we did. I forgot about that completely. Yeah, Kevin Spacey. Everyone Spacer. was in Death Stranding. Well, true, yeah. Yeah. Yikes, yeah. <laughs> I had to forget that one. <laughs> but we try. Um, 
In terms of alternative, it's it's hard to choose because it's a game and it doesn't necessarily need to rely on an actual person or their likeness to play a role. Um, if I had to choose anyone, I'd like to see an actual musician give it a go. Um, so he could maybe be the spoken and the singing voice. John Lydon. The- <laughs> Glenn Danzig. Yeah, maybe. Glenn Danzig, yeah. Danzig. Got <laughs> <laughs> <On> aging <laughs> punk rockers. <laughs> Now that's a game that I would play. Yes, just, I would. Just, 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 just appears in your vision. Mother! Mother! <laughs> Tell your cyborgs not to walk my way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was going to go with um, Frank Carter, formerly of The Gallows. Oh, fuck. He's sort of young, wiry, yeah, and a bit unhinged and, ang- yeah, unhinged and angry. And I just, I just really want to see that kind of raw energy and emotion and just someone a bit more fiery if we went older think like Corey taylor slipknot yeah that was another that was another idea maybe mm. Corey. that that is what that is one thing i did think when like i played the game originally like keanu's delivery is so insincere in it like exactly. you don't believe that he's a het up punk rocker that's got a got a thing about the corporations that he wants to to destroy them all it's just like he—he he just kind of whenever he appears in your vision, or like, he appears and he just like swears at you and then says something really laid back. Mm. Like the the dialogue just the di- randomly drops off a bit of scenery. Yeah, the dialogue he's got is good, but it's the delivery's wrong. Do you know what he reminds me of? Um, I don't know if you've seen Game to the Greek that Aldous Snow, the Russell Brand guy. Yeah, um, yeah. where he's, he's he's all like all like image, and then in when you're talking to it, he's like, "I'm just a really insecure guy." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like that. I think it's just a case of, um, like you mentioned earlier, with David Harbour and Millie Bobby Brown being like in faces at the moment because of yeah. Yeah. Stranger Things, and it's like Keanu's kind of had a renaissance again because of John Wick and did Bill and Ted, and it's just like who can we get which is going to hype this game up and people are going to love and no one's going to moan about mm. Keanu Reeves and an actor that simply of, refuses to say no to stuff. Yeah, regardless <laughs> of like. What what kind of material we might actually get him to deliver? Yeah, like this will hype our game up. I I would have rather had Johnny Silver as not as a main narrative point, just as an off off character, just something in the background, just to yeah, see like on a, a poster walk-on now and again. A walk on kind yeah. of thing. You, yeah, yeah. You see, you see him all around. He's in the videos and all that, and yeah, and like maybe at one point you meet him for a conversation, and then you yeah. leave him, and that's his. Mm. Role I thought that's what it was. That, I thought that's what his role was. No, until like yeah. no, no, until I like encountered him. Yeah, no, same, same yeah. I, I didn't think you would play as big a role as he did. Yeah. Mm. Almost the biggest role in the game. Well, certainly bigger than V, because V's not even a character. <laughs> I, I at some point he's I not on mine. His head disappeared. I need to finish that game at some point. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't gone back to Even it. if it's just playing the main storyline and scrapping That's off all it. I did eventually, yeah, mate. Yeah, I would. That's all I did. And then, yeah, it's fine. The, the, the main narrative's absolutely five out of ten fine. Yeah. I, pay, I paid for a digital <laughs> version, so I've got to, I've got to get, yeah, same. <laughs> I've got to get my money's worth somehow. Good pick, though. Really good pick. We'll, we'll move on to Biggie. Well, I want to talk about the Batmans. Yeah. The Batmans. So I'm not going to go into the movie as such. I just want to talk about the people and particularly the other choices that they could have had. So these aren't my choices. These are the ones that apparently are also up for the role. So to start with, Batman Forever was released in 1995. (laughs) I can't can't hear that we aren't laughing. (laughs) A decision was made to go with a younger actor for Bruce Wayne this time. 
and an offer was originally made for Ethan Hawke. Yes, really? I remember that. I didn't yeah. know that. Who turned it down? Yep. And eventually regretted the decision, or maybe it was the right decision. Schumacher had seen Val Kilmer in Tombstone. Yeah. Uh, but he was also interested in, and get this little list. You ready? Okay. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> of course. Wow. Alec and William Baldwin. <sighs> oh. Dean Kane. Dean Kane, fucking Dean hell. Dean Kane from Lois and <laughs> Superman. Lois and Clark. Tom, ha- Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> the friendliest Kurt- I am the night. <laughs> Kurt Russell. Yes. Oh, oh you're talking. I'd, I'd say that. Ralph Fiennes. Now we're no. talking. I'm into it. No. Daniel Day-Lewis. He can do anything. He can. Daniel Day-Lewis doing a Batman <laughs> yeah, and a Joel Schumacher film. He can do Joel Schumacher Batman film. Yeah, oh. no chance. I'd love to see him go method on that one, motherfucker. <laughs> and um, Johnny Depp. Nah, no, no. The less you see a Johnny Depp, the better, in my opinion. Johnny, Johnny Depp is Johnny Depp would be a, would have been a good bad guy at that time. Mm. Um, but... Although he wasn't yes. really into his character acting as much then, was he? He'd done a no, few, but wasn't. not like it wasn't no. as big as what he does now. And it, it was, I guess, it, in a way, it was a hard act to follow because the style of Tim Burton's Batman was a bit outrageous. It had Michael Keaton, who he was good job. Um, but I think there was something mentioned in Val Kilmer's um, book that he released. And there was, I can't quote it because I forgot to put it in there, so sorry. But he said something along the lines that um, he dressed up as Batman because somebody um, from the studio wanted to bring their grandkids in to come and see the set and Batman. And when they arrived, they completely walked past him and wanted to look at the outrageous sets in the background. Wow. Val, Kil- Val Kilmer basically realised it doesn't matter who plays Batman, it's all about everything else. And I think it, it kind of matters with that as well because when you think about it Bruce Wayne in a lot of the movies is the main character until you have the action and the sort of Batman appears in the movie but because he's just hidden behind the outfit that he's wearing the Batman in most of those movies is pretty shit Al Kilmer sucks as Batman he's got a good chin now he has. George Clooney sucked as Batman. He was the sucked. worst casting they've ever done. Clooney sucked as Batman and as Bruce Wayne. Yeah. This is the thing. This is the problem you have with with the Batman. Uh, is you have to kind of you've got two. You're playing two different roles. Yes. Do you know who my favourite Bruce Wayne is? It's Ben Affleck. But he's not my favourite Batman. No, I don't mind Val Kilmer as Bruce Wayne. I think there's a bit of darkness in there, and yes. a bit of yeah. something behind him. But yeah, it's Batman. He's, Becomes he suddenly turns into a bit of a joker, like just mm. not not joke. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. like yeah. someone who's kind of taking the piss and he's got some one lines and yeah. The, the thing, the thing, lines, himself, thing is, that Batman himself isn't much of a character. No, no. In, especially in especially comics, in the cinematic versions dark. anyway, because it, when it's he's a in the concept, yeah, when when he's in the bat suit, it's just he's a he's a he's a delivery vehicle for punches. You know, that's all yeah. he is at that the way the films deal with him as opposed to like the comic books or the cartoons. Where he's a detective yeah. in the comic books. Yeah, yeah the world's greatest detective. Yeah, so and he's very brooding and there's a lot of you know talk inside his head about what yeah. he's thinking. Yeah, so so all of the all of the character delivery for Batman needs to be done as Bruce Wayne when you do it in a film version. Exactly. Talking to Alfred or Robin or whoever you want to be talking yeah, ex- to. Yeah, exactly. That's so, where your exposition comes from. Yeah, so Val Kilmer did all right at that stuff, but he was fairly ineffectual himself as Batman. Yeah. I think Chris, Christian Bale got a decent run of, run of it, apart from apart from the bad voice. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's not a car. It before. 
<laughs> when, it, when what's her name? Catwoman works out who he is, and then he sees her as Batman, and no one else is around, and he still does the voice because he's in character. Just cracks me up <laughs> so <laughs> much. It's so unnecessary. See, that is what. Right, I will give props to Zack Snyder for one thing that he the made vocoder. sure that the bat, that the bat voice was because of. The vocal, like, yeah. Yeah, 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 that was a dress, wasn't it? Which it, it is in the him, comics. <laughs> which it wasn't him putting the voice on. So, if in the Nolan films, it Do had to be like, yeah, something, uh, something changing his voice via computers. Fine, but like it wasn't. It was him just going. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> like sing along to a Cannibal Corpse song. I'll say, I'll say it now. worse. Like <laughs> in, in Batman Begins, his voice isn't that bad. It's no, in the it's dark night. It gets the, worse. Yeah. In, the it gets in Batman worse Begins, he's whispering more than going. It's, it's more whispering like I'm the I'm a shadow it's, rather yeah. than this is an echo. It's it's just it's where is she? That's the one where he grabs it. Where is she? Where is she? Yeah. Oh god. It's, but yeah, I'll say I'll say it on record. I think Ben Affleck's the best Bruce Wayne they've ever had. He's brilliant at it. He doesn't I fit think in he's his really waistcoat because he, 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 he um he's got that smarmy kind yeah. of mm. like he smiles a lot. About him. He smiles a lot. He's got a good swagger about him. I don't. Mm. I've never minded Ben Affleck as, as Batman or as, as uh, Bruce Wayne. To be I think, honest, I, um, I think I, I think I prefer Christian Bale just because he's got the Playboy swagger about him. Whereas, like, what, yeah, he's, yeah, he's smarmy as well, isn't he? Yeah. Whereas, yeah. I mean, what um, Affleck does is Affleck does like like the older. He's he's like middle aged kind of Batman, isn't it's he? Stuff Batman. Mm. I'm done with yeah. this shit. He's he's a bit more tight and Whereas, like, um, I think. Bale gets right the you know turning up to clubs in a Lamborghini with what the about girls. Christian Bale with his walking stick though. Oh, that yeah. sucked. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then in the next scene, he's full to f- he's fit again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wants- I think Age is an interesting one to to bring up actually because to be true to the comics, I think Batman is usually meant to be about thirty three, isn't he? He's ge- the age um, of Jesus. That's the golden age in DC. It's Superman's thirty three, Batman's oh. thirty three, and everyone, same as when Jesus died, apparently. So. I think it's it's probably it's it's difficult to find a thirty three year old with the actual physical presence to play Batman. I can't think of any actors. Uh, I mean, me? thirty three would, of course, <laughs> obviously, present company excluded. Well, you were twenty nine. Oh. Well, I'm, I'm, that's me. Uh, me official. <laughs> that's me. <my> internet age. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, 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 does, it, it does help that um, for the Batman, Robert Pattinson's currently thirty five. Robin pa- mm. Robert Pattinson is potentially going to be the best. I hope he is. He's even got mascara on his eyes. Finally, finally, because <laughs> that's what he does. He does. He puts his war paint on, and then he goes to battle. No one's ever done that. They just rip the cowl off, and he's got no no black around his eyes. And that's why it's even weirder when after Val Kilmer couldn't do Batman and Robin, George Clooney was offered the role, which <laughs> just the mind boggles yeah, how they got to that. Schumacher thought it was really camp. Uh, uh, Batman, Batman Forever. Shall we go camper? Yeah. Oh, you know what? Like George Clooney the isn't the guy for that. He isn't the guy for that. And he stands out, as, well, as much as his bat nipples, but he he and stands out yeah, so much in that movie. But interestingly, not talking about him so much, but Ed Harris, Anthony Hopkins, and Patrick Stewart were all yeah. considered for the role of Mr. Freeze. Yeah. Could you imagine that? Yeah, because Mr. Freeze is not a big bodybuilder. Could I could have seen Ed Harris doing it like that would have been good. Yeah, it would have yeah. been. Yeah, Ed, Ed Harris would have sold that. Patrick Stewart in a more serious film, like if if it had been a more serious Batman film, yeah, he could have done it in the mid nineties, mm-hmm. um, because you know Mister Freeze is quite 
serious, isn't he? Well, in, yeah. in, in for some reason in Batman and Robin, they made him a mass a massive bodybuilder. Which, which that's not what he was, is it? He, he was a fra- puns. He was a frail scientist <laughs> trying to save his wife. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, th- I think I think at this point it's it's, it's a bit ir- a bit pointless comparing the Joel Schumacher films back towards their comic book origins because all he's done is just we take names. Way beyond that. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. at least, I mean, let's be fair. At Schu- least he made Ben look like yeah, Ben. Schumacher got Ben right. <laughs> okay, we'll, 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 we'll give him that out of two films and several like hundred million bat- dollars spent. He, <laughs> he, also, he also made Robin nearly as old as Batman, which is just weird. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, it'd have been Nightwing anyway. Yeah, and cast Christian O'Donnell, which you just don't do. No. It's no. been established you don't cast Christian O'Donnell in things. No. He's done anything. He's 30 years old. So here's one for you. So going back to Candy's point, just and Gadget just mentioned names, here's a few names that got suggested on the internet who could have played Batman. Okay. So I'll quickly run through these. This is the final bit for me. Ryan Gosling apparently was heavily considered to play Batman at one point. Yes, I remember that. But he declined because he doesn't do films that have sequels apart ah, from Blade Runner. Ah, ah. Taylor Kitsch. Don't know what that is. Nah. He is in True Detective Season 2. Um, his name. If you see his face, you'll know who he is. What's his biggest movie role? I'd have to look it up. can't remember. Joseph Gordon-Levitt has also been suggested naturally to pick up the mantle as implied in the movie. It's too small. Should he be... You should use your real name. I think he'd Robin. be too small. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking annoyed me, that. <laughs> you should, Josh he should Brolin, be a name. when he was a bit younger. Who? Yeah, younger Josh, Josh Brolin. Brolin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's got Brolin the chin for anything. He has got yeah. the chin Well, this is... It. The next one is my choice. John Hamm from oh, Mad God, yeah. yeah. Stunning. Yeah. I, I, I think he would have been excellent in that. A bit mm-hmm. of silver on the side of his hair for Bruce Wayne. Oh, yeah. Yep. I'm all over that. Matthew Good. Yeah, yeah, all for that. He can't do this, but Tom Hardy. Mm. Too short. Mm. Yes, brother, he is too short. And finally, an interesting one, Joe Manganiello. Oh, yeah. Oh, Deadshot. Yeah. He's also con- um, considered for Superman at one point, for Man of Steel. He's Deathstroke, um, yes. isn't he? He's built as fuck, this guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's also we'll get back to him. For those yeah, we'll get back rem- to him. We'll get back to him in my choice. <laughs> he also plays D&D. And does has a huge it? D&D yes, game. He does. Yeah. Yes, he does. Mm-hmm. So he's yeah. a he was also um, considered to play Batman in the, one of the sequels, but he lost out to Affleck. He's How a huge it? nerd. I think he would yeah. just take on. Do you want to put, do you want to be like, like Nick Cage? It was like, do you want to be a comic book character? Oh, yeah, which one? Rider. This one? That'll do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. supposed to be a comic book film. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He's also got the physicality for it. Like he could pull off Batman, yeah. the Batman without having the extended armor and rubberized stuff yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, people, yeah. people forget that Bruce Wayne is built like a brick shit house, yeah. <laughs> and no one clicked on. What have you been doing? That's a good regime you've got in the gym. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Why are you always tired during the day? Yeah. <laughs> Bags under your eyes, man. Come on, get some. That's yeah, a hell of a black eye you've got there. Well, cracked <laughs> <laughs> ribs. I wonder if he ever slipped into the Batman by mistake in the boardroom. Yeah. <laughs> Where are the contracts? I mean, <laughs> there's, there's, there's one of the uh, there's one of the uh, famous comics where um, Bruce Wayne is is going in to sell assets of uh, Wayne Tech, and he goes in and forgets to take his cowl off. And he's got his suit on and he's got his cowl on. They're like, it's not Halloween yet. He's like, oh yeah. <laughs> no one believes. <laughs> That's how that's how tired he gets. Really good, excellent, good pick there. So, Stig, what you got? Uh, my name, my, hello, my fi- yeah, hello. My first one is Topher Grace as Eddie Brock and yeah. slash Venom in Spider-Man Three. 
Fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can never yeah. buy him as Eddie Brock. He can't, because... Right, to start off, Eddie Brock is a monster. Yeah. He's massive. Inhuman He's monster. Huge. Like, and this is where I was talking... When I said, let's bring it back to uh, Joe Manganiello. I can't pronounce his name either. He's, he's massive. The yeah. problem was he'd already been in those Spider-Man films as Flash. Yeah. He yep. played Flash. And, and it was like, if he hadn't played Flash, he'd have been a good Eddie Brock and Venom because he's got the stature for it. Um, and the accent, talk, actually. Yeah, but the problem is with Topher Grace is he, he's Eric Foreman. He's always going to be Eric Foreman. No always always Foreman. From the 70s show. I've never seen it. Uh, we, oh. we, we, he's the main, effectively the main character in it. Um, a little baby yeah. looking kid. Yeah, little, little, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's two for Chris. If you've watch the 70s show, you cannot see him. I as know you mean with a little Eric, mushroom haircut. Yep. The, that's uh, exactly Eric him. Foreman. Oh my God, and is that him? Even now, in his, I think he must be in his 40s. He's in, in Predators, isn't he? serials roles. You're just like... Yeah, I think so, yeah. He's in Predators. as like you can't look past that. But this is kind of like meant to be his... Breakout role after the set that seventy show. Well, this is what he getting, left that seventy show for. Yeah, getting cast in a big Marvel superhero. Well, you would film. leave a sitcom for that. Yeah, the, the trilogy, <laughs> like in the Spider-Man films. And do you know what? He doesn't even know why he got cast as Venom. <laughs> he was told um, Sam Raimi fancied him. He said, "I was a huge fan of the character of Venom when I was a kid." When Todd McFarlane brought him into a comic, I was a huge fan of it, and I was surprised and a little bit like, "Huh." When they wanted me to play it, so when I look at it now at the movie that's coming out, I go, "That's the guy." In terms of how I think the guy should be played and how they should play it, like he, he even he doesn't understand why they did it. And and there's a cynical part of me that thinks that Raimi did it on purpose, because famously he doesn't like Venom. He never wanted Venom in the film, but the studio said Venom is very popular. He's one of mm. he's one of the fans. Like favorite Spider-Man bad guys, we want Venom in the film. He never wanted Venom in the film, and it and it just kind of, it. I feel like he just went. Do you know what? Then I'm going to put Venom in the film, and he's not going to be like any of you think he is. He's not going to be massive. He's not going to be a big bodybuilder jock. He's just going to yeah, be this, like he's be this little dweeby. In there, didn't you? I, put, I showed you that in picture. Yeah. And it, it's, that's how I've always seen that character, and then you suddenly see this little skinny blonde guy. And he's mm. like, Eddie what? Brock has always been since. Time in memory has always been. He was a football quarterback. He was a bully. He's always yeah. been a brick shit house. Even in the comics, he looked like. Whereas Spider Man looked like panels. A... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whereas Spider Man kind of like flitted around like a proper spindly spider. I always thought yeah. Venom was drawn like a big like tarantula kind yeah, of. Yeah, he was tank. a beast. Yeah, yeah. 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 he's he's yeah. he's basically like. It's like the Hulk, isn't he? Like in yeah, Spider-Man he's massive. Form. Yeah. In the comics, he's he's gone up against the Hulk multiple times. Size-wise, he's about as high as tall as the Hulk. And yeah. the, the symbiote doesn't make him much bigger than his normal height. Just it just covers makes the him room, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, because it, it covers around him. So you, you have to have that stature. Like, look at another symbiote, Carnage, with um, mm. Cletus Cassidy. He's a spindly man, and that's why Carnage mm. looks more like Spider-Man. He would have been a better Carnage. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. But it's yeah. not just that. It's just that Topher Grace doesn't play Eddie Brock right either. No, he's not a bully. He plays enough. him as, he, he's he just, he's a bit of a weasel. He's a bit mm. like, uh, ha yeah. Spider-Man, Peter Parker. And you're just like, <laughs> just like, fuck off. Like, I want to see this guy who's massive, who's imposing, and who, who when he gets the black suit of the Venom suit on him, yeah. he just looks 
you know, he looks scary. And this Eddie, was... Brock, Eddie Brock originally as well, he wasn't very smart until the symbiote. And, and that's how Spider-Man found out that it was him because he just got a lot mm. smarter as a person. He was just, a, he was just a, a, like I say, a, a big muscly bully. And he's like, how come you're really smart at the moment, Eddie? What's happening? And that's how he puts two and two together. Yeah. And it's just, it just doesn't work. It, it, it's just, he ends up just being Spider-Man. But with, yeah, pointy teeth, mm. but with pointy teeth, there's no, there's nothing there. Keep showing his face as well, don't they? Just to remind you. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's nothing threatening about him. It's just like, why is Spider-Man troubled by this guy who's looks smaller than him? Like, and and we you know Spider-Man with all too his many strength. baddies in that film as well. Sandman's in it, yes. remember? Yeah, Fuck Sandman's in it. And but <laughs> well, the problem, the thing is, the Sandman story is the one that Raimi wanted to tell. It's the sad, it's a sad story, and though. He, and, he really had, and he had, yeah, and he had to shoehorn Venom into it. Yeah, Sandman's so. a good story. It's a good tale. But the problem with this is, I can't figure out who to recast him as because in the mid two thousands, your big hulking action heroes and actors weren't Not really around. a thing, were they? Yeah. Were it, in the in the in the noughties, a lot of the action heroes were just kind of like, yes, they had muscle and they were lean and 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 fast, but they were more like. They were like, like Matt, Matt Damon in the Bourne films and, and you know, Daniel mm. Craig starting in the James Bond films. And that, that That's the kind of size you got. You didn't get an Arnie uh, or a Stallone or even like The Rock. Like the, back then, you wouldn't have even bothered, you wouldn't even thought about casting The Rock because he's Hollywood. That Back then he was doing shite. They would have been like, better off just hiring uh, an NFL player mm. to come in and, and give or, him a few acting, yeah. acting or lessons. A or a wrestler. A wrestler would be really good. Mick Foley as Venom. No, see the thing is, Venom, <laughs> Venom, and Brock, um, uh, Eddie Brock should look like Brock Lesnar. That's the size. Yeah, that's the size. Yeah, absolutely. That Big Brock square Les- Ed. Brock, Le- Brock Lesnar is Eddie Brock. That is yeah. basically him. Yeah. Uh, but maybe what they should have done is, if they were, if they wanted Topher Grace, fine. But when he turned into Venom, they should have just CGI'd him up. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than keeping him. No, they should have just see- made him like, oh, when, when he puts on the suit, it makes me. Hulk massive up. or something, yeah, something like that. Because yeah, I, I've been looking at actors from the mid nineties, and I could not find anyone of the right age. The only person I could think of that was massive at the time, like massive in terms of body mass, was Gerard Butler because he he just come off three hundred that, that same year. That's but a shout, he's about he's about fifteen years too old. Yeah. I know Maguire. I know Maguire was older than he's meant to be in those films, but Eddie Brock's only meant to be about f- three or four years older than. Peter yeah, Parker. Yeah, he is, yeah. And I looked at the age and, and Gerard Butler's about 15 years older and it might have shown. It'd look weird with uh, Gerard Butler being in a relationship with Gwen Stacy. Yeah. <laughs> well, they could have changed like 22. <laughs> well, they could have changed that up as well. Like, they could have changed the, the, just the, the, the ages of the characters up. There's yeah, no real they could have, issue they could with have that. done a, an, an older Peter Parker, yeah. I just think I would have preferred someone who looked physically massive and dominating like compared to Spin Eric Foreman. Like even someone like um I know you might kind of scoff at this, but Vince Vaughn is Vince Vaughn is a massive. He's like six foot four. Yeah, he's yeah. a monster, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. He's 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 really big. And he would have been a bit younger during the like yeah, two thousand six yeah. when they filmed it. So just someone bigger, someone more imposing would have just fit that role so much better. Shows you how took- big Vince Vaughn is in Dodgeball, for God's sake. He's way bigger than everyone else oh, in it, Dodgeball. It, oh, t- yeah. and, 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 and at that time, Vince Vaughn's cachet is quite high because he's just had Dodgeball and it was old school just before yeah. that. He's kind of yeah. recovered from doing 
um, the remake of Psycho. Yeah, yeah, which he didn't want his career. Casting. I tell you what, I know that we're not talking about this, but his new film Freaky just came out. Yeah, which is Mm. absolutely excellent. Yeah, and he um, in that it shows you how physical, like how he was in that other one as well as that ex con. I forgot what that was called. Um, Um, Last year, uh, Brawling Cellbot. 50 something. something like that yeah he was really massive in that yeah as well. he is like he's a massive guy and i don't think people actually realize how big he is but just someone like that would have just done been yeah better. i agree with that and, and, and actually i think when i think about it vince vaughn regardless of his age he does kind of have the comic chops to kind of put yeah, down he... spider-man and put down parker yeah he does i yeah, think he actually would have worked quite well he can, he, he can also do a little bit unhinged quite well as well. Yeah. Like yeah, not exactly. full psychopath, but just a little bit not right. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So I'm down maybe with that, he right? worked. Absolutely. Yes, that's my first. Brilliant. Right. <sighs> 2013, what a year. Uh-oh. A film directed by Matthew Bright. No one's ever heard of The director of Freeway and Freeway 2. Oh, and the Ted Bundy film as well. Oh, so, gosh. this film starring Matthew McConaughey, that's how you say it, Kate Beckinsale, Patricia Arquette, and in the role of a lifetime, Gary Oldman. This film is called Tiptoes. Oh, fuck off. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. I've not seen it, but I know exactly what you mean. So what I'm going to do for the, for, the, for the guys here, I'm sending a link for them all to watch of the trailer for Tiptoes, and then we're going to come straight back to you all. You're gonna fucking love this. I've s- edit through this. Yeah, I've seen this trailer. Watch that fucking trailer. Put your music up. <laughs> I, 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 I I've watched 20 seconds. I can't watch any more of that. <laughs> I just want to see your faces. <laughs> Karen's shoes right together was perfect. Hmm. Oh my god. Oh, she's giving him a and Lois. The fuck? Fuck's <laughs> <laughs> sake. Thinking like everyone in your family's a midget. This is real. Jesus. What the fuck? Yeah, people made this film. So for every scene that Gary Oldman's in, he's got to be on his knees for this. Yep. this with, with, with his legs tied behind his back. He's shuffling around on his knees. Oh, is that um, Peter yes. Dinklage? Yes. Stop calling the midgets. I know. I know. Roll of a lifetime, Holy Gary Oldman. shit. I can tell you why that's not talked about more often. Have you all finished oh, it? trailer again. Have you all finished it? Do you know how I'm, yeah. do you know how I'm looking at this? Yeah. Do you know... Tropic Thunder. Yeah. yeah, I was just thinking it's the simple you know, Jack thing, you know, isn't it? Simple like, Jack. It's like one of those, isn't it? That's what it feels like, and that's yeah. what that's what it looks like. Gold, um, Oldman, sorry, was going for. Oh, yep. this will get me. This is this is Oscar bit. This will yep. get me. Right, it, it's, it's, it's the American Dad thing. It's Oscar Gold, isn't it? Make the saddest movie the possible. Oh, we're all back in the room. Yes, that is incredible. Right, so now now you've all seen that trailer. How does this movie exist? So, oh. It's not even 20 years old How does no. that movie So exist? it was 2003, sorry So what unlikely series of events occurred In order to get this movie off the page And into reality So we've got a pregnant Kate Beckinsale Learns that her partner Matthew McConaughey's family Is prone to dwarfism And his dwarf twin brother is played by Gary Oldman 
knees. <laughs> his legs pinned behind his back. It's so bad. Throughout the whole <laughs> film. So Gary Oldman is an able-bodied five foot ten man. <laughs> How was this allowed to happen? <laughs> So this is a proper skeletons in the closet, but it's not even skeletons in the closet because this is Gary Oldman at his prime. So this is post Nil by Mouth, Dracula, Fifth Element, True Romance. Gary Oldman as a dwarf. Now <laughs> it never gets less it's funny when you sift. The, the film has Peter Dinklage in it. You already have an actor. When you said, like, "How yeah. do we recast them?" I was literally going to say, "Peter Dinklage is in this film as well." Yeah, being brilliant. <laughs> Just he, should Dinklage. Been, he should have been the main character. Now, I had to watch this film at school. <laughs> what possible wow. lesson did he get out of this in school? Oh, my, I don't know what it was. It was, it was for drama. Uh, it was for, for like, dramatic scenes and stuff like that. Now, the whole trailer, for God's sake, spoils the whole film. The ending is spoiled in the trailer, everything. It's just, it's, I think... Uh, it hasn't even got a Rotten Tomato score because it's one of those films that I believe the studios tried to delete from existence. Not I just have no idea. Tiptoes is basically, as Stig said off air, the scenes from Tropic Thunder. It's it's Oscar. <laughs> it's Gary Oldman fancying himself an Oscar back when political correctness wasn't even a sentence. It it does have a Rotten <laughs> Tomato score. Does it? I thought it didn't. No, it does. Go on. Um, so. It's got to be below 50. Okay, oh, yeah. Sh- shall we do our standard? Let's take yep. bets, everybody. Yeah. I've already yeah. looked, sorry. 40. Who else says 40? Candy? 32. Ooh, Candy's coming in closest. It's 20%. Oh, no, biggies. What big yeah. is it? 12. Oh, 12. Oh. Yeah, sorry. Oh. Yes. Yeah, he shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, he got 22 Four at the maths. time. They obviously haven't gone back to this film <laughs> since um, the it's world good, became it's... woke. Yes, it's got an audience score of 22% out of 2,500 plus ratings. The most fucked up thing is, you don't have to be woke to know that this is fucked up. Yeah. This is a man <laughs> who is 5 foot 10 in a film that's surrounded by real dwarf actors on his fucking knees. I mean, Stiggy mentioned it's like Tropic Thunder. It's like the trailers at the beginning of yeah. Tropic Thunder. It's that simple that would have... Slip that in at the beginning of that movie people, as a trailer. People, they, would have been this is perfect. one of those films. If you mentioned this in Hollywood, you'd probably be shot. They want it. It, seems, it feels like it's it's a parody, but it clearly it's not. wasn't. I've yeah. watched yeah. the film multiple times. How many people must have tripped over his trading legs? I mean, so, so do, you know, just, do you know when they must have gone? Oops, sorry. When when right. Interstellar came out and everyone's like Matthew McConaughey can do no wrong. I'm there screaming, going tiptoes. Is he tiptoes? <laughs> oh, I mean, he did a lot wrong before he got his little. Oh yeah, uh, the McConaughey's. Yeah, like, but McConaughey's. Gary, when, when serious black in our apartment stuff like that, everyone's like, oh god, Gary Oldman's so good. I'm like tiptoes. <laughs> He's on his knees. So. Where can you see this movie? Is it available? Can you actually watch it? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I can't imagine it being on any streaming platform. I haven't seen it for years and years and years. But I've never heard it's of it. It's always Very... in my mind. It's one of those in-jokes that me and my friends have when we talk about bad films. Like We always post this trailer to each other because we all watched it at school. It's fucking horrendous. It's wrong. It it's, 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 it's bad even for the time. That's how bad it is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's never mentioned. I mean, not even like not that they would talk about it, but it's just no one else talks about it. I just I, I want everyone everyone listening to this to watch the Tiptoes trailer. 
Yeah. It's that trailer in itself, man. It's just. Oh, it's got wow. so many good actors in it, and it's got such a bad message. <laughs> There's a scene where loads of dwarfs are joking about the fact that they can all fit in the hot tub together, and it's like an ocean to them. It's just bad. It's not funny. It's it's belittling. They say the wrong word for dwarfs all the way through it, which is it's just it's. There's even there's even like jokes about oh I've never seen a, an African American dwarf is that a thing and it's just disgusting it's just a bad a bad horrible film that I, I don't want people to forget because it it should be thrown in Hollywood's face and remember this remember tiptoes <laughs> when they were filming it they must have been cracking up every time Gary Oldman was in that position you know when that shutter went up and he's there yeah. Oh, I would have just lost it. They probably I would have just did. Lost they, it. That's what they probably did. They probably just looked at it and thought, "This is really funny." And then when you look at it back now, you're just like, "No, it's yeah. not." It's before CGI was a really big thing, and they wouldn't have put in this kind of budget for a film. He literally does have his legs taped behind his, his. His oh god, it's so bad. He's on his knees. He's oh, it's just so bad. Just I can't really talk anything more. But the fact that Peter Dinklage is in this. Why is he not the main... Oh, why is he... Oh, he's so infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> move on, move on. We're moving on from tiptoes. Let's go back to Gadget. But please watch that trailer, everybody. Oh, hey. Follow that. Fucking hell. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know how I can follow that one up because mine seems rather pedestrian by comparison. Um, <laughs> and mine too. Probably rather obvious. Uh, I am going to bring up a it's a it's another ninety it's a nineteen ninety film. So I'm I'm basically taking big swipes at the early nineties here today. Um, but I want to talk about Scotsman playing a Russian in the Hunt for Red October because Sean Connery <laughs> should not play a Russian if he's not prepared to even attempt to uh, neutralise his accent. And it's it's a thing that's been criticised of Sean Connery throughout his entire career whenever he played something that wasn't supposed to be Scottish. You know, everyone remembers Highlander. Mm. <laughs> when he was playing... Spaniard. No, no, an Egyptian who became a, who was disguised as a Spaniard with a Scottish oh. accent. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Hunt for Red October, um, based on the, um, the uh, Tom Clancy... America Fuck Yeah masturbatory novel. That was The Hunt for Red October, released in 1984. Film was made in 1990, well, released in 1990, rather, stars um, Sean Connery as, what's the character's name? Marco Remius, a Soviet submarine captain given the command of the Red October. Morning, Glasgow. A new Typhoon-class nuclear missile submarine with a stealth caterpillar drive, rendering it undetectable to passive sonar. Uh, his opposite number in it is um, Alec Baldwin, who's playing Jack Ryan, because of course Tom Clancy, um, who believes that when the Red October goes missing, that um, Ramius is trying to defect to the US because it's, of course, it's a Cold War thing, um, and so and goes they go hijinks. On the hunt for it. Yes, hijinks in the Atlantic under the sea. And the thing is, the film itself is really good. It is it's good. one of those. I like it. It's Game one of those few. The game was terrible. The game is um, wank. It's one of those few Tom Clancy stories that actually is a good ripping tale, rather than the likes of Rainbow Six, Clear and Present Danger, Some of All Fears, which are just America fuck yeah kind of things. Um, you don't get political. Another Affleck film. <laughs> you what? Another Affleck film. Yeah. All fears. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, like I said, the film itself is fine. It's just Sean Connery. He's completely unbelievable as a Russian um, commander. Um, 
all the actors on the on the Russian side of things around him, they're all American, but they all or uh, Australian or Canadian or whatever. They all put on half decent Russian accents. Yeah, they do. And the ones, um, uh, I think Sam Neill plays one of them, and he does a really good Russian accent. I thought the whole and, idea was though that they start speaking Russian, don't they? And then it kind of goes. The camera kind of the camera kind of goes through a window yeah. or something, and then it, the idea is that we we now hear them translated, yeah. translated. Mm. Yeah, which is it, that's a nice little directorial technique. It takes do. you out of the thing, though. That's the problem. Yes. Yeah, when you can hear a Scotsman pretending to yeah. be Russian, and also also not just any Scotsman. Like Sean Connery m- must have the most iconic Scottish accent because <laughs> it's not your mm. it's not your typical Scottish accent, is it? It's 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 something of his own. He's always been bad uh, at accents. Look at James Bond. He's supposed to be English. Well, true. Yeah. <laughs> You're um, smarty, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Irish in the Untouchables. Yeah. 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 But um, the, the, what Sean Connery does bring to it, he brings a kind of sense of kind of stoic calmness and kind of uh, gravitas to it. Like that was what he was good at. Oh, you'd want him to be a granddad. Yeah, but the accent mm. the accent just doesn't work. It just takes me out of it every single time. It's a shame because I really, really do like the film. It's it. It's one of those few Tom Clancy stories that I really, yeah, really enjoy. I like it. Um, and I would say, like, I mean, I've been thinking about it. So, well, you've been talking about all your other choices. I would think possibly someone better who could have done the role, not quite the same age as him, a little bit younger um, at the time. But I would have said Robert De Niro would have done it really well. He's got yeah, that. He's yeah. he's got. He can do that stoicism. He can do that kind of calm sinisterness about him. Um, I'm thinking more Jean Reno. Uh, uh, Jean Reno could have done it, but again, he struggles with accents. He really does. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> with his own, I think. Well, I mean, if you've ever seen any films where he tries to pull away from the French accent and neutralise it a bit, it doesn't really work that well. What about like Peter Stormare or someone like that? Peter Stormare could have done it, but I think it's a bit he might spindly have been though, too isn't he? Nah, he might have been a bit too young then. Plus, he yeah, plays yeah. more kind of a little bit unhinged better. Yeah. But he can do a good Russian accent, as you saw in Armageddon. Yeah. Um, the other option, again, again, he might have been slightly too young for it, but you could have, bringing him up again, you could have brought Gary Oldman into it because he was doing good films around that he time. He plays a dwarf really well. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I just wanted to bring him up again. Pick me up. I want to get looking through the periscope. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> they won't have to pick him up. he just get off his knees. <laughs> Get off right, your knees, old it. man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. Pack it up, boys. We're done. Um, yeah, I knew it'd be biggie. Yeah, but yeah. I, 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 I could see because um, the reason why I'm thinking kind of De Niro is like I'm thinking of the kind of when he was doing stuff like Cape Fear. I think with, De Niro would make a good general type. Yeah, well, well, that's, I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's got that grimace, hasn't he? Yeah, and that's. He's a, I mean, the official rank of Marco Ramius is um, Captain First Rank, so he's like one of the top, top-level oh, yeah. guys. I hope. So, yeah, I, th- I think De Niro probably would have been a better choice. And even if he didn't get a perfect Russian accent, he would have, it would have suited... Whatever he came out with would have suited it more than what Scottish. What about Pacino? Ah, no. I've got a great ass! Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> Pacino can do accents, but he still always Ooh, sounds ah. like Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> There's not yeah, many, I've, is there really? Yeah. Fuck, I forgot, got, Tim, you've got to have I, that, I forgot that Tim Curry was in this as Dr. Petrov. Yeah, yeah. You've got to have that bombast, <laughs> haven't you, for that kind of role. And yeah. Connery does have it a bit. Well, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Connery's acting is fine. It's the accent that's the problem. I think he's better in yeah. this than he is in okay. uh, Highlander, where he's playing an Egyptian. Yeah, well, Highlander just doesn't <laughs> oh, work like on so many levels. Speaking of, I speaking love of, Highlander. Of Connery, isn't he uh, the king in 
uh, Prince of Thieves at the end. Yes, at the end. Yes. He's Richard the Lionheart. I Richard think it's the all Lionheart. The English king with a Scottish yes. accent. <laughs> yes, I'm the king. I'm back does from he, the does crusade. Does he like, come back and like, kiss, kiss Maid Marion? Kiss Maid Marion, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just oh, because it, I mean, if you were Sean Connery, you would. Yeah, I would. <laughs> but there's again that Sean Connery just being like, "Yes, I'm going to be in this, but I'm not. I'm not going to try and put an English accent on." No, no. Yeah, he's no. fucking crazy. You know, he was up for the role of Gandalf originally. Imagine I that. Fucking love that. It, we, that's a wizard it. arrives precisely when he means to. Oh, just talk about talk about dodged miscasting. Then, like. He, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the better the better cast for Gandalf would have been Christopher Lee, but he, he no. got a role. He got a role at least. No, no, obviously it's got to be Christopher Walken. Oh, fly! <laughs> 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 this watch. Uh, he stuck that my ring ass. up his ass. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how he, that's how he smuggled it up into Mordor. <laughs> this ring. It's the, uh, the one ring. And there's the social split. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Sean Connery, just don't let him play Russians. Put Robert De Niro in instead. Yeah, I mean, he's retired from acting now, Connery, hasn't he? So. No, he's died. Oh, he's dead. Oh, oh, he's very much retired. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I forgot. I forgot. No, no, cut that out. He's retired from life. No, no, no. <laughs> No. Yeah, won't be seeing him again. Put that shit out. No, no. We've already had a problematic episode. Put that out. Retired from life. That's the title. That's what I meant. Yeah. Just taking a break from breathing. As soon as I said it, I was like, oh yeah, he has died. I remember being sad. Oh, God. Cut that out. No. Not a chance. Not in your life. That was too funny. A sabbatical from living. This is living. what happens when a podcast sober. <laughs> Forget about Not, people that have died. Not a chance of we cutting that out. That's so staying in. Oh, my God. I'm glad you were here. Okay, I'm done. Move on to someone else. Composure. Oh. I was so fucking warm in here as well. That didn't help. Oh, God. Yeah. God. I, I could have been there in like five years' time. God, Connery's still... Knocking about, isn't he? Somewhere is he coming back for Indiana Jones? <laughs> yeah, maybe he will. <laughs> fucking hell, Connery, he's, he's fucking. And then was like, he died 10 years ago, you idiots. <laughs> I did that over a week about someone else. I can't remember who it was. I was just talking to someone. I'm like, I heard from them in ages. Like, he's fucking dead. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep up with it. Bloody hell. Anyway, let's move on to Candy. Jesus, mine's going to be boring as fuck now. Uh, Stop so being my second serious. one. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. So my second one is uh, Leo DiCaprio in the beach. Fight uh, in the Titanic. Fight in the Titanic. Uh, so Leo plays Richard, which is the main character in the 2000 film The Beach. Um, the Beach was originally a book by Alex Garland and adapted as a film by Danny Boyle. Um, in the book, Richard is described as a young British man in his 20s who uses travel as a way to escape his own reality. He's not described as charismatic, outgoing or handsome in any way. Um, he feels the need to blend into and belong to the country he's in, but that doesn't extend as far as learning the language or the needs of the people. So he's kind of a, a bit of a reclusive, arsehole, arrogant, 
Certainly not handsome. Um, his main focus in life is to smoke weed, play video games, and to see exciting things. And what from life. that, I think we can... see Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all of us. <laughs> um, so from that, we can sort of assume his physical description. So he's a bit pale, out of shape, and British. Um, in pre-production of the film, um, the public and Ewan McGregor himself had assumed that he would get the role of, of Richard. Yeah, because him and, and Danny Boyle best mates weren't they mm. they were best mates they've been on i think they'd already done three pretty phenomenal films yeah, especially together train at spotting. that point train spotting and shadow grave shadow yeah, grave that's yeah. the one i was thinking of and i think another one but the name escapes me um but anyway after leo was cast the director and the actor had quite a public falling out and it yeah, wasn't actually reconciled in 2009 yeah. for the second train T2. spotting t2 mm. t2 I think McGregor would have been a much more suitable actor for the film. Uh, Danny Boyle admitted, actually, that due to sort of his own arrogance, he cast Leo instead, as he felt his films were his own films were so big, he needed a big, bigger actor to sell it. Um, imagine in the end, imagine it was... saying Ewan McGregor's not a big actor. I know, <laughs> What are you right? thinking that? Leo was massive well, this... then, though. Oh, God, yeah. This was right off the back of Titanic. Yeah. I think it was the first role he took Let's after put Titanic, put him on another boat. <laughs> <laughs> They had a really bad boating accident as well, actually, yeah. whilst they were filming it. There were almost some deaths. Never get on a boat with um, Leo DiCaprio. Look at him in no, Wolf of Wall Street. No, not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Never yeah, get on absolutely. a boat with him. Or a plane. <laughs> well, he's doomed. <laughs> Any form of transport. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the movie it, uh, was released to sort of lo- lukewarm critical reviews. I think a lot of that was down to the fact that he was so miscast, especially like the people that had read the book. Um as, as we mentioned, he, he did accept the role right off the back of Titanic and there was a, he, he was just an absolutely huge teen heartthrob at the time. And I think he didn't, he maybe didn't quite, ha- like, I'm not knocking Leo's acting in any way, shape or form. I think he's an incredibly talented actor, but I think mm, maybe okay. at that point in his career, he didn't quite have the skill uh, to pull off some of the more challenging scenes, particularly when he's hallucinating and sort of descending into a bit of madness. It was kind of played more as an MTV teen movie. Especially where it where it becomes a bit of a video game. Yeah. Um. Some of his lines are pretty cheesy as well, and although the script isn't his fault, he did very little to mitigate the issue. It had a banging um, soundtrack by All Saints. That's oh, and Moby. <laughs> yeah, and Moby. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it's remembered for. <laughs> that's the first thing when you mention the beach. I just had All Saints just played in my head. That's, yeah. Yeah. Cool yeah. Yeah. Chill. Um, so to replace him, and I'm having to use current actors as they are now to go back and play I know who could have replaced him perfectly, role. and you'll, you'll all agree as well. I'll let you go first. So we'll, we'll see if uh, this matches up. So I would go either Andrew Garfield or Freddie Highmore, because they both have that kind of British gap year sort of look, <laughs> or even maybe... Students. <laughs> Gap yar. Gap yar with my friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're talking sticky language now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's go to MAGA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe even Taron Edgerton. So we can start he singing. Have, uh... Sings and everything. He'd been too young then. Yeah, she, she said that. This is what I mean. I've just had to Google Freddie Highmore because I didn't recognise him. He was oh, born yeah. in 1992. He was eight when that film came out. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, so that, that's why I mean it would be actors as they are now having to go back and kind of place them into that, into that the perfect time. Perfect casting so for the lead would have been Johnny Lee Miller, I think. Yeah, he could have done that. He would have been about the right age as well. Perfect for it. Mm. 
Bez from Happy Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually being able to read at that point in his life. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, Ewan McGregor, it's, it's, that is, that's what it was built for. It, he would have been perfect. Yeah, absolutely perfect. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but at the time, Ewan McGregor was also s- strutting around with all that Star Wars money in his pocket. It would have been too expensive for the beach. I don't think it was. was Star Wars after the beach. Oh, no, was it? No, 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 it was no. 1999 for Phantom Menace. Hello there. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine Leo would have been cheap. <laughs> no, Leo was not certainly not cheap. Maybe, maybe Leo were like, oh, I fancy an Oscar too, because he's always fancied an Oscar, hasn't he? <laughs> and that could have potentially been an Oscar. The, the thing is, though, Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, he was it, it, Titanic was such a huge smash, but that was his first, that was his big break. And he still AVA wasn't com- he still wasn't commanding huge stuff around then because he was still being established. Yeah, for me, when I first started noticing Leo, big style after Titanic, that well, like Shutter Island and. Inception, and now he's just fucking. No, I'm huge, earlier on. Catch me when you can. Catch me when you can. Yeah, mm. yeah. Good choice. It's about yeah. 2003, that I think. Good choice. Good choice. So we will move on to Biggie. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about. Um, got a bit of a Batman link for me this evening. We've got a been Christian Bale. <laughs> it's a Christian Bale, but not as Batman. I want to discuss him in Terminator Salvation. No, no, no. <laughs> No, <laughs> me and you are done professionally, mate. Oh, go for no. it. No. Oh, la-di-da. I just think that the setup no. that we've had, <laughs> Terminator 1 and Terminator 2, to, it seems like such a strange choice to cast Christian Bale in the third movie. I just, oh, Sorry, the fourth movie. I just don't see I'll get to work. a link there. <laughs> Yeah, what, sorry? The John Connors get worse after that. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. They do. Yeah, absolutely right. But I, I just felt like he, he was just, he's a great actor. You know, don't get me wrong. I, I like a lot of stuff he's been in. I just think his performance as John Connor just doesn't quite fit with the rest of the movie. It's almost like he's acting in a completely different movie to the rest of what he's in. Um, Apparently, he was involved in a lot of the editing. Um, shouting. A lot of pressure. <laughs> shouting. Put a lot of pressure on the director, and um, it's just a really short one for me. It's really hard to explain. Um, a lot of people don't like the movie. I kind of like it. Really, the stuff I like in that movie. It's not as bad as everyone says it is. I mean, it's not great. Yeah. It's not as it, bad it, as it, Genesis. No, but not much is. No. The thing is, I'm surprised you're bringing up Christian Bale for this when this film has Sam Worthington in it. The vacuum of charisma <laughs> that is Sam. <laughs> the vacuum of charisma that is Sam Worthington. I like. Do you not like the meme where it, where it says Sam Worthington and everyone goes, who? <laughs> <laughs> but at least he's playing a, a well, a basically a cyborg hybrid, whatever the hell he was. Spoiler alert. Movie. But yeah, I just think Christian Bale just didn't fit in this movie. It just He could have been in the movie, but not John Connor. It could have yeah, just been a general be. somewhere, just nah, a random. I think he saw this as a, a cash cow kind of, this is going to be. New franchise. This is gonna, meant, it was meant to be a trilogy. I'm the main man. I'm the main guy. Like you know, I could see why take on that role, but yeah, obviously it failed. That's what happens when you get a guy called McG to direct your massive franchise film. The yeah. guy that did yeah. Charlie's <laughs> Angels <laughs> and music videos. But yeah, it's just wasn't for me. I mean, I liked uh, Christian Bale in. Um... Oh my God, I forgot what it was. American Psycho. Equilibrium. Oh yeah, and um, yeah, the, which one? Equilibrium. 
He's great. Oh, yeah. But you know what? That, that's that a really film. cool film. I love that movie. Yeah. And it shows you that you can do action, you can do drama, you can do everything that you need before this is all pre-Batman as well. But yeah, when he was in Terminator, just, I don't know, it's just something didn't click for me. I never saw him as John Connor in that. Same. Um, and I can't even put yeah, my finger on why I didn't like it. I just didn't. Yeah. Really hard to explain. It just doesn't fit. Um, and I've now put myself in a position where I realised I hadn't thought who could have played it. Um, I don't know. Because, I mean, if you say Sam at, Worthington, I'll come down the camera and I'll beat uh, you. Edward Furlong. I mean, <laughs> oh, because also, this is the, the point I forgot to mention as well that I think when you had Terminator 1 and 2, three John Connors played as a younger kid. So at this point, it's supposed to be him in the war years, in the f- and you're supposed to see this like commanding. Still in his like 30s, officer. 40s mm. at that point. But yeah, it just. Just didn't pull that off at all, but I've suddenly realised that. No one will ever, ever look as badass as the guy in Terminator Two, in that, in that, in that flash forward, flashback. Yeah, 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 that random guy. No one will ever look as as good as that random guy in Terminator Two. I mean, it should have been him. Yeah, he should be brought back. He might not been able to act. (laughs) I mean, as bad as Christian Bale is, Jason Clarke was worse. Yeah. If yeah. not any worse. The dad from next door. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> the thing is, I mean, Ter- Terminator 3 was, what, 2003? And Salvation was 2009, 2010? Mm-hmm. You could have probably had Nick Stahl just reprise the role because it would have been far Easily. enough down the line. But Nick Stahl didn't do much after that, did he? No, not no. Don't not tell really. me he died and all for fuck's sake. No, no, he, he is still alive. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, 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 he's in Fear of the Walking Dead now, Nick Stahl. Is he? Hmm. Yeah. Mm, it's nice to see him still getting work. Yeah, it's he's doing funny. all right. Good for Nick. Yeah, it's just a quick one for me. I, I just it just rubbed me up the wrong way for some reason. That's fine, mate. That I, I'm 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 the same. I remember going in to see it and thinking, okay, this film and it's got Sam whatever his surname is. Everyone forgets him. Um, <laughs> um, the biggest wallpaper of a human being. Yeah, him from that um, Fern Gully remake with the blue guys. Avatar. That's the one. <laughs> I'm joking. I know what it was. Um, yeah, I, I always thought Christian, but he just, I don't know. There was just something off about it. I, I agree with you, mate. Yeah. So, yeah, Stig, what's yours? Uh, mine is Emma Watson as Belle. Yeah, uh, fully Beast. agree. Mm, yeah. Beauty and the Beast remake. I've not seen it, but I've heard really bad <laughs> things. I, um, I'll... I'll I'll freely admit that Beauty and the Beast is one of my favourite Disney films of all time. I absolutely love that film. A banger. Um, and I think that some of the other casting they got right in that in that film, Gaston, uh, LeFou, uh, her dad, um, even the Beast, even though I, I don't like the CGI they did on the Beast, but Emma Watson... They had to do a CGI, surely. Yeah, yeah, they did, but it, they made him look too human. It's weird. Mm. Anyway, but Emma Watson, she's not Belle. She's just not... She just doesn't have the right, like. Did she just look like Hermione? Well, she, oh yeah, because that's what Emma Watson looks. That's what I'm saying. But <laughs> did, did, did you just feel like it's French Hermione? No, no, it, it, it was. Just, it wasn't actually. She had no charm to her. She had no yeah. vivaciousness mm-hmm. or anything. Like Belle in the cartoon is. It was she's a bit of a the, badass, isn't she? She is. She, she's she's very clever. She's very charming. She's very witty. Even even the moments where she's kind of scared and being meek, like when she's first in the castle yeah. and stuff like that, there is still this kind of energy that you're drawn to with her. Whereas Belle in the uh, the, Emma, the Emma Watson version, she's just dull. Dull. Like there's, there's the same songs her. in it. 
Yeah, so a couple of songs. So the songs. Sing? So she does yes. sing, but and she's she auto tuned to like, oh, like so the much nth degree. Like everything, like straight away, the first song uh, is just like because it's got just, Luke Evans is in it, hasn't it? And Luke, Luke Evans, Evans is fucking brilliant as Gaston. He can sing, oh, can't he? Perfect. He's so good as Gaston, and I think Josh Gad is great as LeFou as well. I think that I think them Another two good are, singer. are really good, well cast. But um, yeah, it's just. Emma Watson. Who plays She's the Beast? Dan Stevens. Oh, from oh yeah, 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 from the Marvel. Your vision. Yeah. Ma- yeah. Uh, yeah. She's Emma Watson. She comes as too serious, a bit too callous. Uh, just there's a lack of emotion there throughout the film, and she's just lifeless and uninterested. Oh, like she's just, it's just. When when they started doing all these, like oh, we're going to make these Disney films and we're going to make like live action ones. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to do Lion King and Aladdin and, and Beauty and the Beast. I'm actually quite interested in that. Oh, this is a new take on these classics, and you know, they yeah, don't, yeah, we yeah. don't need them, but yeah. but they just picked the wrong person to be Belle. I don't know who I would pick. Um, all I can go off is my wife's pick at the time. She said it should have been uh, Diana Agron. So she plays Finn. Finn, sorry. She doesn't play Finn. She plays Quinn in Glee. I never watched. Never watched Glee. No idea. Watched Glee, but from all accounts, she's a good actor, and they can all she's, sing on Glee. She's a brilliant singer. No, they can't. It's all the tune on there as well. She's got no. She's she's good at singing. I've heard her singing. Um, right. She's a lot better singer than Emma Watson. That's for that's for fucking <laughs> true anyway. But yeah, she, a better singer than Emma she Watson. is a very good singer, and she's got the look. She's got the. Ability and it's there would there would have been casting that and filming that right off the back of Glee, so it would have been like a perfect like vehicle right yeah. to jump off that program and then go into like major studio films. But obviously Disney aren't going to do that. They're going to like, oh, who can we get? Emma Watson, she's massive because of Harry Potter. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> That's a shame. I, I always thought there were. I like Emma Watson. Remakes. I've got no problem with her. I don't think she's a great actress, and there's a bit of feedback about her later as well. But oh. um, yeah, I just she, yeah. she wasn't Belle at all for me. She does a lot of uh, eyebrow acting, doesn't she, old Emma Watson? Yeah. <laughs> That's a skill and a half. <laughs> Excellent. Good pick. Good pick. Uh, my last one um, is a miscast that paid off. If are we allowing that? Because I'm going to say it anyway. This Fair paid enough. off. Um, 1994, Frank Darabont, Shawshank Redemption. Now, in the in the the, the story, Red, he's a white red-headed Irishman. Who's he played by in the film? Morgan, Morgan Freeman. Freeman. <laughs> now, for me, it's one of his defining roles. Um, it miscast, but perfectly miscast. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think he's the standout performer in Shawshank Redemption, the man who can get you anything that you need. Um, even as a joke in it, uh, why do they call you red? He's like, I don't know, maybe I'm, a, I'm Irish. Do you know what I mean? Which is a play to the actual story. And it's a, it's a quick one, like, like, like you guys, but I just think it's, it's when miscasting can go right. I know it's not really miscast because it's perfectly cast in the end, but from the source material, it's completely different and just outside of the box and it just works perfectly could you imagine anyone else doing that role now after seeing yeah. Shark Redemption which is mm. nigh on a perfect film to some people it's up there for me I think it's brilliant 
but yeah, I, do, I just think it's a, it's a really good miscasting, um, which I just thought I'd flip the switch a little bit for my last one. And uh, rebel, I am a bloody rebel. I mean, I can I could not top tiptoes. I just. <laughs> nothing, nothing beats Gary Oldman on his knees. <laughs> oh, I. Hey, chance would be a fine thing. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I, I think uh, uh, Morgan Freeman as Red is a perfect miscast. And now, what do our listeners think? Well, listeners have opinions. I bet they do. Sent them by the bucket load. But before we get to this week's opinions, we're going to get one from last week that Stig forgot to add to the document in his hungover state. This is from Newton uh, Newton Thomas, um, and he said, for last week's subject, not meaning to be ironic, but Jaws the Revenge was probably my first realisation of this. Even though in hindsight, Jaws 3D had probably already done it, but I was far too young and awestruck by the 3D to have noticed. I clearly remember watching Revenge and thinking, hang on, the shark is now specifically hunting down members of this one particular family. So much so that it travels from Amity to the Bahamas just so that it can eat the mum. What the fuck? <laughs> Literally the shark jumping the shark. Yep. Yeah. Literally. He also goes on to say, and don't get me started on how they kill the shark in this one. Michael Caine, Michael Caine, runs it over with a sailboat. Even my innocent and impressionable prepubescent mind, I remember clearly thinking, well, they've gone a bit far this time, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, Jaws the Revenge is universally agreed as one of the worst films ever made. And apparently, isn't the story that goes that Michael Caine only, t- only took the job because he opened the script and it said location Bahamas? Yeah, because it was yeah. a holder to the Bahamas for yeah. a nice little bit of cash. I, I, I remember in some interviews he said stuff like, oh, I just, I just want an analogy. Yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't for, yeah. for this week's episode, um, uh, Newton Thomas has gone on to say, uh, Jesse Eisenberg is Les- Lex Luthor. I kind of get what they were going for with the entitled tech genius, but it didn't work at all. It needed someone that both command that commanded both intellect and menace. For my money, uh, Ray Fiennes would have been perfect. Also, give us a bloody green mech suit. Mm. I mean, I'm not going to disagree. I like Jesse Eisenberg. He's a great actor. He's done a lot of good things, but he's so, so wrong as Lex Luthor. Yeah, he was nearly, <laughs> yes. I nearly went with him like for this one. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, in my mind as well, I think Lex should be maybe he's not but in my mind I always think Lex should be older than Superman he should yeah, be he should, he should, should be he should wiser be, and a bit more he should always be older yeah, yeah not more he should, he should also have that quiet menace about him yeah he's a criminal master yeah like, I'd say. like Jesse Eisenberg's one he's like insane isn't he he's like very pantomime and very over the top like he'd be a better joker than anything you know yeah. in that universe mm. yeah mm. yeah um Speaking of, uh, Leroy Francisco has said Jared Leto is the Joker. <laughs> Almost everything in that film, which he's referring to as Suicide Squad, was terrible, but Leto's Joker was awful. Not just the performance, but the whole concept of the character in that movie. Plus, he was meant to have been a proper wanker on set, sending dead rats to cast members, etc. Because yeah. he goes like full method, doesn't he? Yeah. Just occupies the role. Yeah, Jared Leto's Joker was dreadful. Yeah. Even in um, even that little cameo at the end of Justice League. Fucking awful. <laughs> Ooh, Justice League. <laughs> you want to go and watch it again now, don't you? Because yeah. we brought it up three times. Um, X Radio X 
has said, <laughs> Vinnie Jones is the juggernaut in X-Men last time. Yes. God. Oh, God. God, yeah. Does anyone the want to do the line? <laughs> there we go. Um, I like Vinnie Jones. Nothing, nothing about that casting makes any sense unless you wanted it to be a joke. He pretty much needs to be CGI or cast the mountain from Game of Thrones to get close. Well, he's played by uh, yeah. Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool too, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, how, that's how it's meant to be done. Like, yeah. like again, if you're not going to CGI him, just get a big... You don't even need to have him, like... It doesn't have to be a character. Just have someone who's massive and put a yeah. suit and a helmet on. A 10-foot man. It, they made that... It's <laughs> like they made that part just so you could do the jugger, I'm the juggernaut bitch line. But it's, that's... It, it, anytime I've seen The Last Stand, I always get a real kick out of him just being in that kind of rubber muscle suit. <laughs> the, fact that, the, the fact that they don't reference that he's Charles Xavier's brother at all <laughs> just baffles mm. me. I mean, they yeah. didn't even in the cartoon or anything like that. I think they just they gloss over that one. But I hate being a nerd sometimes. I think they did I in know. the cartoon. <laughs> they did in the cartoon, yeah. That's, yeah. They did. Uh, Sarah Johnstone has said uh, Florence Pugh as young Amy in Little Women. She was perfect as adult Amy, but she just couldn't convince as a 12 year old. Took me right out of the movie. I agree. Uh, this is where I got mixed up. I was thinking, you know, when I said, oh, we'll come back to Emma Watson. You're thinking Florence Pugh. It's this. this she's good. Feedback, she's yeah. up and coming as well. She's good in that wrestling the, film. The problem. Oh, she's, she's brilliant, brilliant in that. The problem with this is. This summer, she's excellent. In Little Women, is that she's playing a 12 year old and it's Florence Pugh. And all she's An doing. Adult. Yeah, she's her just acting immature. And I was yeah. like, when I was watching this, I was like, these are flashbacks. I know that. And I was like, and she's acting like a child, but it just came across as that she was a bit simple, and yeah. and it was like, why have you, why have you not just cast a twelve-year-old, and then when we get the adult <laughs> version, it's Florence Pugh. I mean, I'm not like, being funny. There is literally about twelve billion twelve-year-olds running around yeah. the world. I, I, that film, it's a really, <laughs> at any I, given point. It's a great film. Like it's a really good film, and they're all. Yeah, I liked it. They're all really good in it, but this is where I was talking about Emma Watson is she's the weakest link in that. She's not great. Like her acting in that's not great either. But yeah, the whole bit of Florence Pugh going out after them as a twelve year old girl and then falling in the lake and everything, it's like this is just Yeah. It's a bit dumb. Like just cast a twelve year old. So. <laughs> yeah, there's loads. Uh Dominic Skeltner said, uh, Dane DeHaan in, well, pretty much anything. There seemed to be a weird spell when casting people thought he was the next Leo DiCaprio. I fucking ruined a few films. Particular shout-outs to A Cure for Wellness, which I'll disagree with. I like Dane DeHaan in that. I, I like that film in general. Is he the guy that played Goblin? Yes. Yes. Oh, so. Uh, and, of course, Valerian in Valerian and the City <laughs> of a Thousand Planets, which somehow, managed, <laughs> which somehow managed to miscast all three leads. <laughs> I think you'd agree with that, wouldn't you, Gadget? Yeah. Every time I mean, they put Cara Delevingne in anything, it's miscast. Yeah, I was I was going to bring up Cara Delevingne, but again, that's really low-hanging fruit. <laughs> Why have you put her in it? She's fit. That's not a good enough reason. <laughs> Although I will, I will concede, of all the films that she's been in that I thought she was miscast in, in, in Valerian and the City of Thousand Plants, she kind of looks like the character she's supposed she to does. be playing. She does, yeah. <laughs> she just can't act like her. Uh, <laughs> David Cheeseman said, uh, "Very general, but the whole of the Irishman. I get what oh, they God, were. Yeah. I liked what I like what they were going for, and I always welcome new technology that will help with performance. But having old guys play young just didn't work for me, as they still move like slow, old, arthritic old men, and it just never married up. Then you get an actress in Anna Paquin who has many Oscar, uh, who has as many Oscars as uh, Al and Joe, and give her six words. She was done dirty. Yeah, mm. like the Irishman. Yeah. I think. I think." That all that money was spent, all our technology was used just to have the poster up that Martin Scorsese was working with those three actors again. 
I like the film, but the the yeah the CGI puts you out of it because it's the cheeks and the face that they just get wrong. You know, it sounds yeah. weird that they look like they've all had Botox. Yeah, it's, it's still just, that uncanny valley stuff. It's still the technology still not actors. quite there. You could have just had younger actors. It worked yeah. for Godfather Part Two. Yeah, when it goes back in time and stuff, like, it, it worked then. It was fine, but yeah, it's just like seeing Robert De Niro like trying to act as a thirty-year-old. We've in seen a fight, we, and then we've like, seen a thirty-year-old Robert De Niro. It didn't look like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Bjorg Pruschmeier has come in saying almost everyone in the Legend of Ang, not because and not only because of the blatant racism. Yeah, he points out that every character is either indigenous or East Asian in the series, but in the film, yep. all the good ones were white and all the bad ones were South Asian. But also because uh, Nicola Peltz, Jackson Rathbone, and Noah Ring are absolutely terrible actors who can't hold a scene. Peltz got the role because her dad is a rich, important businessman with connections. Everything about that film is an insult to both fa- to both fans and the people who aren't familiar with the source material, and it- and a big part of it is the casting. Great. I remember hearing a lot of bad stuff about Legend of Ang. I've never seen it. No, it's fucking shit. <laughs> uh, Kit, quote for the quote for the box. Yeah, yeah. Kate, Kate of the Dead, who um, is I will I will typify as my mum. Um, and I pointed out that we were doing this episode about two minutes before we were record start recording this, and she sent me like thirty messages of, <laughs> of her picks. But I've, I've picked out a few of them at the top. I love her. So she's pointed out Brad Pitt in Ad Astra. Oh yeah. Hundred oh, percent. Yeah. Fucking Ellie is shocking in that. <laughs> also, oh. Bra- also Brad Pitt in Meet Joe Black. Also, Brad Pitt in yeah. Interview with the Vampire. <laughs> yeah. And Keanu Reeves in Much to Do About Nothing. Oh yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that. Keanu trying the top to do ing- English like roles just doesn't work. My no. dearest Mina. Or American. <laughs> you leave yeah. Keanu alone. Uh, Reyes popped in. We always like it when Reyes uh, messaging. Uh, he says, when Stephen Strange arrived at the foot of Mount Himalaya, he was expected to be greeted by the Ancient One, a tall, skinny, elderly monk with long goatees, as depicted in the Doctor Strange comic. But instead he met Tilda Swinton. Usually righteous <laughs> Hollywood medias would gather like sharks smelling blood, ripping the casting choice apart. However, the storm, quote-unquote, was bafflingly mild and gentle. Reports dancing around the topic shyly suggesting various explanations on how it happened. The truth seems to be the Sorceress Supreme ran into a greater power. The fear of triggering Chinese censorship machine, who v- uh, viciously trying to eliminate any attention towards Tibet, along with some other places, for a series of reasons result in the miscast. Yeah. What I find funny about the incident is that if anyone who tries to uh, bring up the full story, he will learn, uh, dig up the full story rather, he will learn so much about geopolitics, regional history, and how to mince words. Turns out that even... Turns out, even there is no sorcery, horrifying, forbidden knowledge can still be found in the Himalayas. Absolutely, I always thought it was weird that it was Tilda Swinton. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I like her. I like her in the role. She's very good at it. Yeah, but that's just not what that role, that character is. No, no. She, she. I think the director recently came out and and admitted that it was probably a bit miscast, didn't yeah. they? She's. she's I think I read something well, about that recently. A bit whitewashing. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. She could have been uh, somebody else. But... Speaking of which, <laughs> Smashiest Clay has come in, and this was this was one I was tempted to bring up, but I hadn't. Se- I'd only seen bits of the film on YouTube. I hadn't actually seen the full film. Although watching bits of the film on YouTube is still just as hilarious. So he says someone else will probably bring this up, but we have to talk about the most amazingly tone deaf and bewildering casting choice of the of the nineteen fifties, the Genghis Khan biopic, The oh. Conqueror. 
Uh. Genghis Khan, a legendary military commander that conquered a giant empire across swathes of Asia. The story of his life is barely believable, and he was the perfect fodder for an epic film. Unfortunately, one of the largest stars of the day thought so too when he lobbied heavily to get the part. And so the 12th century Mongol chieftain was played by John Wayne. Fucking ridiculous. (laughs) John Wayne, a white guy from Iowa with all the acting range of a potato, was somehow supposed to portray this historical figure. Their solution? Fake tan and an awful wispy moustache. Yep. Wayne makes zero attempts to modify his Midwestern drawl. To the cowboy mannerisms. What results is so utterly nonsensical and ludicrous that it actually becomes quite compelling viewing. Seriously, look some clips up on YouTube. It's I've watched the film, mate. Bad. Fucking hell. He looks like Ming the Merciless. He doesn't, brother. <laughs> yeah. But at least Ming the Merciless is not from Earth. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> of course, John Wayne isn't the only actor who struggles with disguising his strong regional accent. Some actors have made careers off that distinctive delivery, but it does often lead to them being typecast. Luckily, Sean Connery couldn't give a fuck. <laughs> strong Scottish accent, probably the most distinctive and parodied voice in film. Fuck it, I'm playing a Russian submarine commander. The Hunt for Red October is a really good film, as I said, uh, which makes the casting and performance of Connery all the stranger. Of course, there are some roles that will perfectly suit Connery like a film called Highlander, about an immortal Scottish warrior getting into sword fights. Naturally, they went straight to Connery and cast him as an ancient Egyptian dressed as a Spaniard. (laughs) Not only did they ask Connery to be Egyptian, they then cast a Frenchman who grew up in Switzerland as the titular Scotsman. Christopher Lambert was still learning English when he was cast. His delivery and accent was so bad, the early section of the film had to be dubbed over, and they hand-waved away the second half of the film by saying he talked funny. (laughs) Thank you for that, Smashies. Yeah. I still like Highland. I like, <laughs> I like the I like the uh, soundtrack a lot. Mm. I, it, it always baffled me they made a second one because I thought the whole thing was there could only be one. Mm. The quickening. Yes, I totally agree with that. Yeah, but the second <laughs> the one is ridiculous, and it starts talking about they quickly got a aliens. And, and uh, remember, there was a TV show. There was. I love the TV show. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's t- it's time it's time for the inglorious return of Deadbeat Punk. Strap He's coming in. with greatest finest moments of assuriency. I'll be brief with my miscast. It's a show that you've mentioned before. The thick of it. will be brief. I've seen... I can see... (laughs) Actually, for him, this is surprisingly brief. Yeah, Yeah, the thick of it. Normally, all characters seem to be written around their acting party as they fill their roles perfectly. Rebecca Front and Peter Capaldi might as well change their names legally over to their fictional counterparts just to save the confusion. This is why Cal Richards, or the fucker, sticks out so much. Tom Hollander was brilliantly cast as Simon Foster in the excellent spin-off movie In The Loop, but his appearance in the series is jarring and ill-fitting. I keep forgetting about the character until he reappears during the finale of the third series. Built up by other characters with hushed voices and the kind of reactions we associate with Malcolm Tucker, it feels like we're going to be introduced to his counterpart, a political clash of titans possibly. Instead, we're introduced to what feels like a prepubescent impression of of Brian Blessed trying to be hard. Especially cringeworthy is the crescendo of an incredibly weak outburst that concludes with him aiming his finger guns at members of the cast squawking, fuck, 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 as he mimics shooting at them. I always forget he's in the show until he pops up on a rewatch. Utterly out of his depth in this role, that could have been a majestic pantomime performance in grander hands. Brian Blessed should have been in the show instead. He also goes on to say, I hope it doesn't come home. You still haven't apologised for the famine. Lots of love, Debbie Punk. Fuck you. <laughs> I I'll completely agree. Tom, Tom Hollander is really good, but he's just not good at that. It's yeah. so mis- it's so miscast. I need to watch that show. It's really so good. So good. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, all the correspondence that we have this week. Excellent, excellent. And now we have the all-new socials. 
That's me. Um, so you can find us on Twitter at Modern Escapism. On there, you'll find a link to all our episodes, socials, and you can join us for a chat on Discord. We're all in there and we all interact frequently. If you have any comments, you can either, either tweet us um, or email us, us at modernescapismpod at gmail.com. If you like gaming streams, come and watch us at twitch.tv slash modernescapism. On Saturday, Oodles is playing Fable. Yes. Monday, we have Biggie Dies. And he's dying more and more each week, I noticed. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, Wednesday, Gadget has a couple of weeks off, I think, the Skyver. So maybe we'll try and oh, fill it with you. I've edited um... seven podcasts this month. Oh, you have. <laughs> I do apologize. I wanted to put the words back in my mouth as they came out. Sorry, I've edited. So he's not six. a Skyver. He's... Yeah, yeah. You're very good, You're very good too. <laughs> you all work very hard. Um, so maybe we can try and fill it with something fun. Maybe we can do a multiplayer stream or maybe something with the patrons. Uh, Thursday, I do my Candy's Creature feature. I'm possibly finishing Hellblade. I'm not 100% sure yet. So we're playing Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Uh, I'm going to mention our Patreon again, just because you do get so much extra content. Um, you'll probably get a few good outtakes from this episode, I would imagine. Um, <laughs> so you've got patreon.com slash modern escapism. You've got £5 for the modern escapees, £5 for Scorch Sheep, or £7.50 for the whole lot, which is the biggie bundle, and it gets you everything. Uh, so you've got all kinds of specials. You've got monthly specials, and we've currently got our low-key spoiler special going on every Friday. Um, next week we've got the video games knockout we're all going to choose our favourite games and battle them for the title of ultimate game and as we always say please please leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts we really really appreciate it it does make all the difference to us so please do if you have a minute thank you really well done there out out of ten what would you give her there Stig Uh... oh here we go no she's done a cracking (laughs) job that's why I heard it last week and I was just like I'm just going to that's on yep. the socials to Candy. Let her do it. Sounds Delegation is natural at it. Brilliant. Nine Sean Connerys for that. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and that is all you're getting if you are one of the cheap listeners that doesn't pay for our patron. <laughs> we will see you really knows how to next, sell it. <laughs> we will see you next week for our massive summer game battle where we all pick our games, which, which the patrons will hear round the back after this so thank you and godspeed What we've been doing, watching the football and getting fucking wrecked.